Welcome, everyone, to episode 105 of the RF Generation Collector Cast. Whole crew is back here again. Got myself, Bill. We got Chris. We got Kelsey. Chris, how you doing this day? Mm, man, I am tired as tired gets. Let's just go with that. You and me. But yeah, I am going we're... to bring the energy to this show <laughs> like you've never seen. He's brewing espresso over there like you've never seen a shot of espresso brewed. I am double fisting the cokes in front of me <laughs> right now. Oh, it's not, not exactly. I am not lying. <laughs> I I actually gave very short consideration to just grabbing not a lot of coffee, just like a little, just like you know, like a little zip. But I said, you know what? I'm just gonna power through it uh, using the power of friendship. So we'll see if that uh, style. brings like the energy. It. Yeah. <laughs> so Kelsey, how you been these days? Really good. I'm technically on vacation. Just using up some time off that wasn't going to roll over into next year. Had no plans to do anything with it, so just just hanging out at home a little more than normal. So cool. Yeah, you were mentioning that uh, uh, you get to sleep a little bit later when you're on vacation, yeah. so that's always fun. 6 a.m. instead of like 5 a.m., so that's a, that's a big <laughs> sleep in for me. <laughs> Is it still the same amount of dark when you get out of bed? Uh, yeah, lately, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. For us, it's. I think it's got to get to like seven fifteen, seven thirty, somewhere around there before you know you actually start seeing some light. But hey, still, that's it's nice to be able to to just wake up, roll out of bed, and kind of start your day with uh, you know no uh, nothing on the uh, on the agenda that early. Yeah. So so we'll we'll start with uh, what I've been up to. Um, I've split my uh, my intro here into you know playing, watching, and pickups to try to you know keep us on a, a tight ship here. That's how we like to run it. <laughs> so playing, uh, if you have read what the uh, topic of uh, this show is, you'll know that I have finished Final Fantasy VI, which really is a big deal for me. It's one of these things that in my head I feel like there's like a big barrier to like some of these you know long-ish uh, classic, uh, you know, uh, older generation RPGs. And it's just one of these things. I can't get my head around playing, like, them on a TV. Uh, so really the portable nature of the Steam Deck was... It was something that early on I knew that I really wanted to try to get through, like, an older RPG that I had never played. And Final Fantasy VI has been on the backlog forever. So I was really, really happy I, to uh, finally... I got to touch a Steam Deck over the last week. Ooh. Yeah, uh, they're awesome. The the guy that had it, he also bought like the the high end version. And mm -hmm. if I didn't know this thing just came out, like I would have sworn he's had it like sitting under the seat of his car for the last like ten years. Like it was gross already, <laughs> really gross. <laughs> I don't know how you can spend that much money on something and have it just be like slimy and sticky. <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you, if you saw mine, you would be like, what did you get this yesterday? Like, did you just open the package? <laughs> That's what I like, expected, it, it, yeah. And it comes in a hard shell case, The case right? was awesome. So, like, you, yeah. you, you unzip, and I, what I love about the case, it's a very small detail, but I love that the power cable goes in this little kind of, like, drawstring neoprene mesh bag, and it sits in, like, a compartment on the outside of the case that you don't have to unzip the case to get to. So what's cool is you can just leave the power cable home if you don't need it, and the whole thing is just lighter. But it seems like a small detail, but just not having to unzip the entire thing and open it up and take things in and out and re-zip it up. It's just pop, it's in, pop, it's out. And I really like that little touch there. So, uh, But yeah, it's uh, it's funny because when I was at uh, Retro World, 
I was kind of playing it in, the, in some of the downtimes, and a few guys walked over and they were like, "This is the first one I've seen in the wild," <laughs> like, which was kind of cool. I'm, I'm just glad that uh, Valve was so thoughtful to put a, uh, a Super Nintendo cart slot in the top so you could play this game. Yeah. <laughs> You know, since I played it on uh, uh, this the OG Super Nintendo emulator, um, I played it with uh, uh, the bezels, so I kind of saw like the uh, the Super Nintendo like the colors like the gray and purple, uh, kind of <laughs> nice. like as I was playing it, which was nice. It kind of like got me in that headspace. Uh, but yeah, honestly, I was very very happy because you know even when you say I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do this, you know things don't always like work out and things kind of like fall off your radar. So. I knew there was a chance that it was going to drop off and I wouldn't do it. So I was actually really glad when uh, you guys said you wanted to kind of uh, talk about the game. And when Kelsey said he's been kind of itching to play it again lately, I'm like, all right, let's let's really uh, bear down and do this. So happy to finish it. And we're going to be talking about that in a little bit. Um, we had talked about uh, uh, our backlog challenge for an upcoming episode in the next month or so. So I didn't want to fall behind on that. So very next thing I did after Final Fantasy VI was I wanted to go back to Vanquish, which the first time I played it, when I kind of solidified my selection, I was playing it on my main PC. And just on a whim, I was like, man, I wonder if, if this is like, uh, you know, uh, they have like a certification process where they say, you know, like, runs great on deck is like the the best. It's like the big green check mark. And then yellow is like, oh, it plays, but, you know, there's some issues. And usually the issues aren't performance. Usually the issues are, since it was designed around a mouse and keyboard, it just means that you have to, like, invoke the on-screen keyboard at certain places to, like, get through the game or, like, some control-based thing like that. Um, but this game, Vanquish, was a great big green check mark, um, which is great. So downloaded it, threw it on there, and also through the magic of Steam where your uh, save just follows your profile. My profile on the PC was already on the Steam Deck, which is just the way the world should be. Um, and uh, like Kelsey was saying, it's not the type of game that's really easy to put down for like a month and then come back to it and like really know exactly the nuances. Um, but uh, something I've never done before, um, I fired up the tutorial from the main menu and the tutorial is uh, very, very uh, nicely organized. I wish more games would do this. Instead of just firing the tutorial up and taking you through every single different thing you could do, the tutorial has individual menus on it. So you can say, just give me the movement tutorial. Just give me the, you know, the shooting, just the sliding. Um, so, um, and it's the same one you did when you started the game. So it's got like the dialogue and, you know, kind of the people behind it, like, oh, just make sure that when you do this and the voice acting is phenomenal. It's like <laughs> kind of like gritty and over the top and very like uh, self-aware, yeah. but like also like, like, like an eighties B action movie. Platinum uh, voice acting is always like too much, but in the right way. Oh, that, so that's a, a hallmark. Yeah. Of, like uh, if you go to Bayonetta, it's very... Somewhere overacted and very campy and yeah it's, it's okay well because we're we'll get to this in a little bit but um my wife and i just finished watching the newest season of cobra kai on netflix oh, me too. and and just just like this season she's looking at me and she's like is the acting getting worse and i was like yeah but i think it's on purpose like i think this is what they're going for like they're going for like this very telenovela you know like soap opera type thing where there's all these you know changing conflicts all the time but uh but yeah so um so vanquish we'll have more to talk about on that in a little bit um probably uh, uh next month i would guess um 
And uh, so with the kids have been playing, uh, my middle guy had a birthday recently. He got some birthday money, and he's been asking for this game for a long time. And we keep telling him, you know, you can spend your allowance money or you can save up. So he, uh, with his birthday money, he decided he wanted to buy Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity. Um, I haven't played a Dynasty Warriors style game probably since like OG Xbox era, um, like way back when. Mm -hmm. And um, I, all I knew was that it's like you versus like a million people. And so I just kind of assumed it was very hack and slashy. Um, so he you know, played it for a little bit, uh, played it for a little bit more, continued to play it. We kind of like let him have like a day to play it. And then I kind of went over and I watched him for a little bit. And I was really impressed at how good it looked and how much of a Zelda game it is yeah. as opposed to a Dynasty Warriors game with like a Zelda coat of paint on it. The Fire Emblem one's the same way. So I've been really interested in picking up Persona Strikers because the other ones like really do a great job of not feeling just like a Dynasty Warriors paint. Like they do feel like the source material. Yeah. And uh, so like, and he's in a battle and it also almost felt a little bit kingdom heartsy to me like in some of those sequences where like okay you got to fight this boss and then there's all these other guys around you too okay you fought that guy now you got to go like down the street and like fight the next guy so like it kind of gave me like that kind of feeling so i watched him for a little bit he was super into it um his older brother wanted to play but we said you know it's his birthday gift give him a little time so i'm kind of going back and forth on that it's two player so while they can play together uh they play handheld. Oh, okay. No matter how much I try to push them towards docking and throwing on the TV, they're like, no, I want to I wanna hold it. Um, so, I mean, I guess they probably could grab a pair of nunchucks or the pro controller, yeah. link it, and just watch the same screen. But uh, maybe we'll try that yeah, next cause time. Yeah, because my but, son uh, got that back in, I think, February this year. And, yeah, I, I yeah. played a bunch of it with him, and it was solid. Okay, cool. Yeah, so maybe – or, you know, what we'll do is we're always um, uh, trying to – entice them uh uh try to get them to you know bring their their best behavior out by letting them know hey we can bring the projector out put video games on the back of the house if you guys are good so maybe they would agree to docking it if they knew it was going to be nice and big on the back of the house so we'll see if that maybe works um so they've also been looking very much forward to uh slime rancher 2 uh so a funny thing happened with slime rancher 2 it came out on game pass and when you launch it it says like fyi this is an early access version. So, you know, some features may not, you know, may not work. It may crash, um, but, you know, that it's playable and like you should be fine type deal. So we fired it up. Callahan kind of started playing it for a little bit. And then the next time he came in the room, he was playing something else. And I was like, oh, like, what's what's going on? Like, you know, you're not playing uh, Slime Rancher one. And he's like, no, he said it's early access. And I was like, yeah, but like. Like, it still, like, works. Like, you can still, like, try it out and see what it's all about. And he's like, yeah, some features might not work and it may crash. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, but did it? And he's like, no, but it could. <laughs> so, Wait for the full-throated experience. I, I guess. You know, I said, you know, if you wanted to fire it up and kind of show me what it's about, that'd be great. But also, they were very concerned that Slime Rancher 1 was leaving Game Pass because, like, there's that little section that's, like, leaving Game Pass soon. Like, oh, like it's leaving. Like, can we buy it? I'm like, yeah, you got allowance money. You know, like decide if you want to do it. And then it left Game Pass and they were still still able to launch it. And they were like, what? How, how is this possible? Did it not really leave Game Pass? And I was like, no, dude, look at that icon. It says gold. So like we got this when it was a game with gold. So you guys have it even though it's not on Game Pass anymore. And they were thrilled. <laughs> so uh, 
because they put a lot of progress into that, a lot of the time into that game. So the other game that uh, uh, my oldest has been playing a bit is um, this game called Beacon Pines. Um, I watched him play it a little bit. A uh, lot of dialogue, uh, which which he likes. He's digging it. The art style is beautiful. Um, I can't tell if it's like a full RPG, but there's tons of dialogue. Um, so if it's not an RPG, it's an you know adventure game with a lot of dialogue, uh, and it's all animals. So you know like cutesy like foxes and raccoons and. Uh, uh, it almost kind of has a bastion kind of look to it where like the gameplay area is kind of like in the middle and then there's like a whole bunch of area kind of like outside of that that you can't actually go to. It's just kind of like uh, the way that they've um, set your your area up in like the middle of the screen as opposed to like the rest of it. Um, so yeah, that's what they've been into. Um, if the weather holds out tomorrow, we might do some projection on the house and we'll have to decide if we're going to do video games or a movie. And what we've been watching lately, I think I may have mentioned before, is the kids um, are getting into the MCU films in chronological order. So we have watched, um, uh, since the last time we spoke, we watched Captain Marvel, which I had seen once before. Um, so seeing it again, um, the one big thing that I did not pick up the first time uh, is that Monica Rambeau from WandaVision yeah. is in it. I just there's a pretty big pretty big gap there so yeah that's interesting yeah right so like you know I I knew Monica from WandaVision so now watching this I forget the mom's first name but it's Rambo and I'm like wait a minute is that no it can't be it wouldn't make sense and then it's like oh my daughter Monica and I was like okay here we go so it was kind of cool like uh, figuring that connection out um I can't think of the actor's name off the top of my head but the guy who plays like uh uh like the main um uh, the scroll. I don't want to spoil anything. Yeah, the the main scroll. Yeah. Um, he's also in Rogue One. I mean, he's in everything. <clears throat> Rogue One. Um, uh, he's a phenomenal a- Australian actor. Um, that usually doesn't use his Australian accent, but uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, he's as good as ever. Uh, love him. And um, so uh, uh, and then the next day, uh, the kids were like, "Oh, like, can we can we watch something?" And I was like, "It's too late to watch a movie. It's a school night." And the kids were like. We don't have school tomorrow. And I turned to my wife. I was like, they don't have school tomorrow? And she's like, no, it's a three-day weekend. And I was like, well, then let's watch the next movie. <laughs> so they, they were thrilled. We watched uh, Thor uh, 1. So chronologically, uh, that would be next. And again, I've seen it before. Really good. I kind of remembered most of the story beats. Um, there's one really good joke that I did not catch the, the previously. Um, and it's very simple. I'm sure everyone else got it because I'm an idiot. But uh, we watch most things with subtitles these days. And um, I always, like in my head, heard, you know, like Thor, Odin's son, as like Odin's son is two words, like Odin's son. <laughs> and in uh, the subtitles, it's a single word. Yeah. It's like his last name, like Thor, Odin's son. Uh, so, and it's, so that's just the way they write it, which is fine. I'm like, oh, that makes sense. So towards the end of the movie, Thor calls Agent Coulson, son of Coulson. Cole. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, because <laughs> Coulson. Yeah. <laughs> that was so, and it was very quick, like, and no one acknowledged it and he just says son of Cole and then just kept, kept going. So I thought that was really cool. Um, but yeah, we're, uh, uh I think cause they, we watched Love and Thunder uh, so, you know, very out of order. It's like the latest one to come out. And then I was like, do you guys want to watch some others? So that's kind of what got us started. So um, it's really cool kind of, you know, g- going back through chronologically. Um, we were 
thinking about skipping the Incredible Hulk because it's not like they're really tying that back in now with the She-Hulk stuff. with the TV show. Big that's what, that's what I've heard. And the Thunderbolts yeah. movie, I think, is going to tie a bunch of that in as well. So we weren't gonna. And now that I've heard some rumors about the person who has been showing up in some of the, the stuff, the actor, um, I think we are going to go ahead and watch Incredible Hulk. Um, it's been a long time since I've seen it. I don't remember if there's any inappropriate stuff for kids. I don't even know what it's rated. So I think it's just violence I, yeah, because I, he's so big and strong. Yeah, and, they, they like, I think might kill some soldiers, but it's not like gruesome. Mm. It's like they get thrown into like a tree and then they're their bodies off screen it's not like they explode in the tree or anything like that right right yeah so we probably will go ahead and watch that and part of me was was thinking about skipping it because man because avengers is next just to og avengers so uh but i think we're gonna go ahead and do incredible hulk so and then avengers will be next. so there's also a rumor too that um oh man why can't i remember the actor's name uh do you remember the scientist in the incredible hulk who was also in uh oh brother where art thou Oh yeah, that's um. Uh, uh, give me a sec, Tim Blake Nelson. Yeah. So apparently, I loved him. Apparently, they're bringing uh, Buster Scruggs. They're bringing him back, his character from Incredible Hulk. Uh, oh, I yeah, I I think I read that recently that he's isn't he the main? He's the main guy in like something that hasn't come out yet, yeah. like the next thing that's coming yeah. out. Yeah. So they set him up as like a teaser in that movie that he was going to be the leader, and so that that's like a I don't know fifteen year gap between movies, but mm. it sounds like he's coming back to redo that. Yeah, I, Tim, I love Tim Blake Nelson. I think Old Brother is where a lot of people saw him for the first time. Um, but uh, if you haven't seen Buster Scruggs, um, recent kind of comedy western from the Coens, it's awesome. And he was really good in um, the HBO Watchmen Yeah, I was just going to uh, bring series. that up. Yeah, good call. Yeah, so, yeah, for sure. So, okay, yeah, so, so we're on a roll with the MCU stuff. Um, the other thing I've been watching is the West Wing, uh, the old political-based uh, television show from the late 90s early 2000s i end up watching this show like once a year or once every other year and just something like like something gets in my head like you know like the mention of an actor seeing someone hearing a line thinking of a story i love this entire series so much especially the first couple seasons and the last season um and you know what got me into watching it again this time is um uh, a writer i follow a journalist tweeted something about oh it's like i've been on vacation for a few days and already it's been a crazy week like this happened this happened this happened and he said something like um and toby ziegler yelled at kratos and i'm like because toby ziegler is a fictional character from west wing and i'm like what the hell happened there so i watched the latest ragnarok trailer and uh richard schiff who plays toby ziegler in the west wing is uh like the the voice of i don't know if it's like the main villain in that game but he's like narrating the entire um trailer and richard schiff's been an active actor for years i've never known him to do any voice acting so it was so cool to to hear him in that in the role that i wouldn't because he's super 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 soft-spoken uh even in west wing like it almost sounds like he's whispering like at all times um, so to hear him in the God of War trailer where you can tell it's his voice, but he's talking at like a slightly higher volume than he normally does. Um, is he kind of like off brand for him? Is he tier maybe like the, the other God of War that they went to save in the first one? Uh, I don't know. We can look it up and we can add it in post. God of War, Ragnarok, Richard, Schiff. Through the magic of editing, no one will ever hear 
this. You think we have a better editor? Um, than you? I was going to say that Kelsey doesn't <laughs> edit this at all. <laughs> uh, Richard Schiff will play Odin. Oh, wow. King of the Norse gods in God of War Ragnarok. But yeah, if you haven't seen the um, uh, the, the latest Ragnarok trailer, just uh, give it a watch and listen for that voice that's narrating it. Uh, Richard Schiff is is awesome. I've always loved Richard Schiff. And he's one of these guys that kind of pops up from time to time um, in kind of random things. He was in, um, there's an amazing uh, Sean Penn movie called uh, I Am Sam. Oh, that's and a good he movie. Play, yeah, he plays the attorney, like the uh, opposite um, Michelle Pfeiffer's character, kind of like, you know, fighting against okay. um, his character. Um, but yeah, uh, Richard Schiff is awesome. So, uh, so yeah, West Wing, I'm on season four. Uh, and it's crazy. It's a lot like us. We were talking to Rich uh, uh, when I was, you know, down visiting him in North Carolina, and he said something like, "He's like, you know, I, I leave work, I get home, and it's like, you know, I end up going to bed at like, you know, like I don't know, like midnight, something like that. But like, I never feel like I have time for anything. But then like another night, I'll go like straight to a concert. Uh, I'll like watch the entire concert in an encore and get home, and it's like midnight, and it's like if I had." you know five six hours to go to a concert like why do i feel like i have no free time ever right so it was the same thing with west wing for me i'm like oh i never have time to do anything i'm always struggling to like find time but like somehow in the last few weeks i've watched you know three and a half seasons of uh the west wing and beat a jrpg and beat a jrpg yeah but you know what it was all done mobile because the steam deck it's just wherever i happen to be and west wing i throw the airpods in and i have a plex uh server so I just like launched the app, uh, sorry, the episode like right on my phone. And I'll be honest, the show is so good and so well done and well written. It actually a lot of times like can be played as a radio drama. Um, so I don't even have to watch it. I can listen to episodes of it because the dialogue is so good, like that Aaron Sorkin style dialogue. So yeah, more, on more than a few occasions, I've been like cleaning up a room and listening to episodes <laughs> on the uh, on the AirPods, but it works for me. Um, so just a handful of pickups before moving on. Um, uh, I did get a little bit of the uh, NH, uh, sorry, the hockey video game itch by picking a few up at the uh, expo. So um, I just jumped on eBay just to see if there was any deals to be had, and I found a, a complete big box copy of NHL '98, uh, which is a great one. Um, I think I paid around eight or ten dollars for it. They had it for hire. I threw an offer, you know, and then. Your offer was accepted. It's like, hey, look at that. <laughs> so grabbed a game there. Um, and I think there was one other that I grabbed on a buy it now. It was just, you know, cheap. And like Wayne Gretzky 3D Hockey 98, I think it was. Um, uh, I mentioned that I've been playing uh, more guitar lately. So I've actually acquired four guitars uh, since the last time we spoke. But I'll tell it's you It's pretty right crazy now. when you buy more guitars than hockey games in a two-week Right? <laughs> so... This was not planned. I went to the flea market by myself because I woke up and nobody wanted to go with me. So I said to my wife, I was like, listen, Sarah will never to... make that mistake again after this. Net zero, zero mistakes. Yeah. In the future. But I said to her, I was like, listen, I've really wanted to go for the past like few weeks. And, you know, just the kids don't like I'm happy to stay home and hang. You know, like, that's fine. But I was like, I really would like to go, even if it's just for like an hour. And she's like, yeah, just go. So I went. And as I'm browsing through, I kind of stop at this table and it's just a nice looking guitar. I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool. And I look at it and I'm like ready to walk away. And the guy was like, let's make a deal on the guitar, man. I just bought another one. I got to sell that one. And I said, yeah, I just bought one too. Um, like I ordered my, um, I've had the Adam Jones Les Paul in order for months. 
the place I ordered it from said that it's going to be delayed like another four months. So I actually found another shop uh, that I ordered it for for less and it showed up this week. So a little fast forward part of the story. But I told the guys, like, yeah, I just ordered a guitar too. I can't just be buying more guitars. And so we chatted for a minute. He was like, I'd love to see pictures of your pedal board. So I showed him the pedal board. So I kind of took a lap and I looked up the guitar on Reverb, which is a music uh, equipment marketplace. And I found one that was being that had been sold earlier in the year for less and it had like an upgrade in it that I would have done. So I went back to him and I said, I just wanted to come back and tell you that I'm not going to make an offer. Um, I don't want to give you a low offer because I, you know, I just found one that was comparable to it. And like, it's just not in my range. And he was like, no, he's like, man, I got to get rid of it. Like what? Like, you know, don't be afraid to make a low offer. So he was asking like 260 or 280 or something like that. And I think he had said before I left, he's like, oh, I'll do it for 200 uh, or 220. So the one I found was the same guitar, but they had upgraded the bridge pickup to like a high output um, humbucker, which I told him like, that's what I would do. I would update the bridge to a high output, but that would cost me like 80 bucks. So like, I wouldn't be into it for more than like 120. And he was like, ah, if you're at 120, like it's yours. So it's an, it's an Epiphone SG mahogany. Um, so that SG body style, if, if you've ever seen um, ACDC, uh, that's the shape of guitar that's associated probably the most with ACDC, but lots lots of people play the SG. So it was really cool. It came with a gig bag. So I'm like wearing it on my back, walking through the, uh, uh, the flea market, and I see this little um, Fender Stratocaster shape guitar. And I walk up to it, and it says Starcaster by Fender, which is just like a lower, like a practice level version of the guitar they make. And I kind of pick it up, and my first thought was like, man, for they were, he was only asking like $45. I think it retails for a couple hundred and I'm kind of playing it and I'm thinking, man, I could just use this to like, you know, practice working on guitars, like refretting, you know, like working on like, you know, different electronics and stuff like that, changing pickups. And as I'm kind of like plucking at it, he kind of calls over and he's like 30 bucks. <laughs> I'm like, how do I say no to $30 for this little guitar that is playing well? So I was like, I can't say no. So I gave him the 30 bucks. And there's a, a half-scale guitar, so it's not a ukulele. It's like a full guitar. It's just smaller for, like, younger people to learn and, uh, and play. So as I'm about to walk away, I kind of just, like, lean over and look at it. I didn't even touch it. And the guy's like, if you have a need for that, just take it. <laughs> and I, was like, I was like, oh, are you serious? And he's like, yeah, man, just take it. He's like, uh, it's, it's small, you know, like, no one's really looking for it. And I said, honestly my my kid's been like just strumming my guitars every chance he gets i would i would give it to him and see if he wants to learn he's like, yeah yeah take it so now i'm walking out of the flea market with with a guitar in my back a guitar in my right hand and a guitar in my left hand <laughs> most metal <laughs> so, dude at the flea market i love it absolutely so uh so yeah i grabbed uh, some uh some sets of strings um some and i grabbed um I hadn't worked on any guitars in a while, so I just on Amazon I ordered like a little bit of uh, guitar polish and um, fretboard oil because uh, the fretboard dries out over time and you got to just make sure it condition it so it doesn't crack. So, yeah, I'm probably going to do a little bit of guitar maintenance. Um, so uh, so that's been cool. And um, my dream guitar showed up um, on Thursday. This is the Adam Jones uh, Les Paul Standard. My first Gibson. Um, I'm a firm believer that you don't have to spend thousands of dollars to get a good guitar. Um, but this is, you know, what I would consider my personal dream guitar. So sold a couple arcade machines, moved some funds around. And I said, you know, it's not going to depreciate. So I'll have it for a little while. And if I got to move it, I'll move it. And it showed up. And this thing is just otherworldly. I, I cannot describe what a joy it is to play this thing, how beautiful it is. And just 
the the feeling that you get when you like pick up just like an awesome guitar so i'm very much looking forward to playing that more uh my last pickup today was a uh tattoo we uh expanded on the star wars arm uh my very very good uh buddy uh kevin uh performed uh uh, the installation of the tattoo uh, on my arm, uh, as he always does. Um, so it's uh, I don't have any pictures to show. He's going to post them on Instagram. So I'll, I'll share those on uh, Twitter if anyone uh, cares to see. But we added a couple of ships. We added a stormtrooper. Um, he's, he's, you know, kind of worked his magic like he always does. So if I had to guess, I would say two, two more sessions and, and we should be done. Like the whole arm should pretty much be covered. Um, but yeah, and then I'm excited to go back to the first arm, which is a new school style and kind of see what kind of cool cartoony uh, shenanigans we can get back to on that side. We, we actually were chatting about like good subjects for like that arm and that uh, style. And I said, have you ever done a bebop and rocksteady? And he's like, I, and he's like, I have, but never like as crazy and like out there as I've wanted to do. It's always been like an exact, you know, kind of copy of like what they were like in the cartoons or whatever, but he wants to, you know, like go crazy and make them wild and weird so i was like yeah let's let's think about some cool things we can do so no promises but we're we're in negotiations now sweet so yeah so so that's me so uh um we'll uh move on to uh chris i know you said you didn't have a whole ton uh going on but uh i'd be very interested to hear what you've been up to sure so um not that I haven't done anything, it's just a lot of stuff that probably isn't germane to this show and would probably be, you know, pretty boring to people that are listening, so I won't I won't draw it on about that. Are you saying that you got some guitars, but you don't want to talk about I it? Did, I did not get any guitars, <laughs> I can say that much. Um, I have been uh, brushing up on my amateur uh, electrician skills, I've uh, been... Uh, replacing some outlets and putting in some of these god wonderful things why haven't i done this before where they've got the usb out outlets in there we we just did two in the kitchen oh my god and it's like man like two usbs and a USB C in two kitchen outlets is like why didn't we do this before we even owned this house it's changing. yeah yeah and yeah i've, I've now they've got them like it's got USB C and USB A, yep. and you can get like yep. three amps yep. out of the yep. thing. And there, there's there's like a one amp chart. There's like the the high output one. Like I know exactly the one you're talking. I mean, there probably multiple people make them, but yeah, I did one of them, and I got it working. And Sarah's like, buy another one right away. <laughs> yeah, I kind of did the same thing. I I had one, um, you know, in our our. I live in a very, it's a very old house. The house is about 120 years old. Um, so they, you know, like this house literally didn't have electricity when it was built. Like that was added on later. So, I mean, that kind of gives you an idea. But um, a lot of the electrical outlets and stuff were still like this ancient two prong and, and some of that stuff. So some of it I'm just replacing and, and redoing some of that. But yeah, in strategic places, I'm because, you know, some of these, they're, they're not terribly cheap. Um, and so I've been putting those in some, some places and taking some of the ones that had like, you know, the, the GFCI and putting the ones that have the, now you can get GFCI and USB charging all in the same outlet. So, um, been doing that for the bathrooms cause that seems to be where for some reason people want to <laughs> hang out and charge their phones. 
Um, so, you know, anyway, yeah, I'm kind of peppering <laughs> those around the house and slowly making, making my way. Um, I, and I was really happy because I was at the flea market. And uh, at our flea market, there is like this area in the back. And I don't even know how to describe it. Think about like just people have just shoved tons of stuff back there. Um, like people have just bought bought someplace out or whatever. There's just tons of it. And they had a sign up. Everything back here is 50% off. No matter what it is, what it's marked. Like, All right, well, I'll go back and look. And usually I go back there and... It's kind of just miscellaneous weird stuff. But then somebody had bought out like a ton of like elect- electrical stuff. And mm. so I picked up like a bunch of outlets and you know, like some GFCI mm. outlets and some other stuff. And I like they were like marked for like a dollar. And so I'm paying mm. 50 cents for like a GFCI outlet, which, you know, those are not cheap to get those things. No. I like I and I didn't realize like because when we had to go get some for like like you said the kitchen or bathroom like they can be like fifteen twenty dollars oh yeah easily and if you get like yeah. the ones that have the charger and if you like want the three amp and everything else they're like forty dollars yeah. for one of those yeah those or like guys. The, there's like the the tamper resistant because if you have kids you don't want them you know sticking one thing in there instead of two so yeah they I didn't realize how expensive because like a regular old outlet can be you know three couple five, dollars. seven dollars yeah. but yeah like man the GFCI that's a good deal. Yeah, so I, I bought up some of those, and because uh, I'm like, oh, these things are so stupid cheap. I'm like, I'm just going to pick some up and do some more of my replacements, and then I'll probably go back out there and raid some more and try to finish up getting rid of all these stupid two-prong outlets that were left in my house. Um, but yeah, so I've been doing that. Um, I, you know, I've got, this is dumb, but something I put together, there was a, uh, I bought, like, years ago, this little transistor tester from China. It's not even really just a transistor tester, like a component checker. So mm-hmm. it'll, it'll you know, you slap a transistor in it, it'll tell you if it's good and, and what the, you know, the pinout is. You can slap a, a resistor or a capacitor or whatever, and it'll just tell you the values, right? It just reads it all out. So, you know, you can use it to test things, see if they're good. And, you know, probably the tester itself is... I don't know, probably five, ten bucks from China. Like, they make tons of these things. But they're awesome to have if you're doing some troubleshooting. You want to check some components real quick. And for, like, the level of what I'm doing, it's, you know, piece of cake. Um, But they come, like, just like this bare board. They're super, you know, simple. So, um, you know, I've had this thing sitting around forever. And, like, it runs off a 9-volt battery, and it all looks kind of jank. It sits in the drawer, and I'm always like, okay, whatever. Uh, so anyway, you know, I do a little Googling and on eBay and stuff. And yeah, you get like a case. Okay, now I got a case from China coming to like assemble your own acrylic case. <laughs> like, and it's a couple of, I'm always amazed on eBay how you can get, I can get things shipped from across the planet. Yeah. And they can still just cost me like $5. And I'm yeah. like, okay, this is the thing plus the shipping from across yeah. the planet. And it's yeah. like $5. Pl- pl- Plus putting it on a boat yeah, <laughs> with a crew. <laughs> I'm like, how is this even human? I can't mail yeah. something down the street for that. Right. And if it's a package. But anyway, I don't understand it. But yeah, so I got like a little acrylic case to build for it. And then um, I got that. And I'm like, well, this is kind of a pain because he's like a 9-volt battery, right? So I'd have to like take the case apart every time I put a battery because it wasn't really made for that. Like, well, okay, well, I'll do this. So I order the parts 
um, to make my own like uh, thing, so I can plug a, a you know like a a wall wart into it. So that way I don't have to keep putting batteries in it. So I just get like another you know, nine volt battery thing to plug into it. I'll just wire it backwards mm-hmm. and up to a jack so I can just plug a wall board into it. And so uh, I got the parts again, like, you know, I'm getting these things for, I'm paying like $2 for parts. Anyway, it doesn't matter. So I, you know, I built up one of those and it works wonderfully well. Now I don't have to screw with that anymore. So um, it makes me happy. And I can I just pop, I made it where I was like, I could just pop like a Sega Genesis power adapter in there and run the thing so it's happy it worked well i never have to fool with batteries again so uh awesome the um outside of that uh watching things i introduced my middle kiddo to uh, the matrix um we were we were sitting around like you know i i'm like like, there's some cool movies let's sit you want to watch some cool movies together like let's watch some like just some cool movies they're like, oh, yeah, well, you know, what are you thinking about? I'm like, well, so I'm running through some of these because I'm like, the Marvel superhero movies, like the DC superhero. And I said, um, what, have you, what about the Matrix? And, and I'm like, what's the Matrix? Uh, so I just give that little, like a little tidbit. Like, like no one can explain <laughs> exactly what the Matrix is. I was really hoping you were just going to launch right into like Morpheus's speech. <laughs> exactly, right? <laughs> or the architect. The Matrix is an eventuality of... <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I did kind of do that. Well, no one can actually be told what the Matrix is. <laughs> um, awesome. But yes, yeah, so we watched the Matrix and uh, like as soon as we were done... Uh, they were like, uh, that's my new favorite movie. That oh, was cool. so awesome. That's so cool. And so I was like, yeah, see, your dad knows like some good movies. <laughs> yeah. Trust me. And, uh, so now we're going to queue up more. I'll watch the, cause I said, uh, you like that? Like, Yo, yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. And, um, I said, well, there's three more. We can, you know, yeah. we can watch this. So we'll, we're going to do that. But that was a fun time. To get and kind of that, share that, that. awesome, yeah. And uh, you know what holds I up remember? really well. There, there, there's many things about the original Matrix that are great, uh, even upon rewatching. But one thing that always sticks out is at the very end when that Rage Against the Machine song plays, like uh, at the end of the movie, and then like uh, kicks into the credits. And it's just one of my favorite, like you know, like it is a little typical '90s the way they like you know end the movie like with a song like that. But I still I don't care. I like it so much how they ended that. At least it wasn't uh, a million Guns N' Roses songs in a row. So like the entire <laughs> album. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad they liked it. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. it was it was a good time. Um, you kind of don't know sometimes with your kids how those things are going to go, but uh, for yeah. for sure. I, I was talking to someone recently that doesn't have kids and um, they were like, oh, like, what are your kids into? And I'm like, you know what? We show them things that we loved when we were kids and like sometimes they, they take to it and other times you're like, yeah, I'm not into it. Like I really thought I would just show the kids, you know, Tailspin and Darkwing Duck and Gargoyles and X-Men and like all these things that I loved and they would be into it all. And like some of it they are, but some of it they're like, I don't know what's going on. I don't want to watch this. Yeah. So yeah, you just, you just never know. Yeah, I try to take the point in mind that there's no good reason for my kids to enjoy the junk I watched. I, I try to think about like when I was a kid, did I want to watch stuff from the sixties? Yeah. 
and I did. Don't get me wrong. I watched a lot of stuff from the 60s, but um, nobody was like, boy, you got to watch. This was the most awesome show from the 60s, right? It was just, you can organically find it through reruns, and if you like it, cool. Sure. My dad Um, was totally like that. Like, you got to watch the Flintstones. Like, you're going to love the Jetsons. Like, (laughs) he was that person that you're talking about. Okay. Yeah, I'm. I'm totally like. I'm not gonna do that with my kids. I, I was like that when I was younger, and like now, I'm very much more like you're talking about. Like, ah, people find the stuff they want. I'll, I'll tell them I really love this, and if you yeah. like this style, you might like this. But yeah, I'm never like. You have to stop what you're doing and watch this. If you don't like it. Just don't hurt dad's feelings. Okay. Just, just walk yeah. away. Yeah. If you don't like it, just go ahead and never speak to me again. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, we've had other movies where, uh, you know, the phone comes out or, you know, you could tell you're like, okay, well, you don't really want to watch this. But this one glued to the whole thing. That's awesome. um, And then similarly, this one struck me as even weirder. My youngest, um, I was sitting around and um, I came across a video on YouTube. Like you come across these videos because it serves up, you know, maybe you'll like this one. And it was, I had no idea. There's like, um, these people have started a YouTube channel where they're like, they call themselves the Knight Rider Historians. But they've oh. gone back and like, gotten one of the cars. And they've gotten the truck. And they've got, like, they've found all of these things that were on the show. And they're like, restoring them back. And that wasn't the part i was like so watched a little bit i was like oh, okay but i was like man i haven't seen night rider since the 80s um i wonder like mm. i don't know if this will hold up i want to go back and watch it so um we looked and it's like oh it's on netflix all right we'll go, go turn the show on and my youngest was in the room so i we you know i turn on the first episode and it's playing everything and man she was just glued to my lap watching mm. this show it's like what the car talks because yeah. uh, like that's the whole thing i was like getting started um i was kind of trying to explain it and i was like do you want to watch a show about a car that talks uh, a car talks yeah yeah yeah, yeah. you want to watch yeah uh, but like like for, it's the it's the, te- it's the teacher from boy meets world in car form <laughs> but like forever in the beginning of the show there's like all this stuff going on like to introduce the seven and they're like When's the talking car coming? When's when when's the car gonna talk? I'm like, we're getting there. Just yeah, we're, we're just calm there. down. And then like after that, you know, uh, once that was going on, um, and we ended up watching, you know, like the first two episodes, like a two parter, like the first pilot or whatever it is. It's pretty long. It's probably like a couple hours by the time, oh, or like an hour and a half maybe by the time you get through it. We watched all of that and then like another whole episode and was just loving it. And then, so I happened to like today, this morning, have this YouTube thing on and they were like driving the kit car, right? Like at a show or something. And uh, my youngest was like, it's a real car? (laughs) I said, yeah, what did you think it was? I don't know. It's a real car that people drive. Yeah. Like it's a real car that exists, and you can see it. <laughs> so, dude, so dude, I don't know who's been watching it, but when you said like, "Oh, it's on Netflix," so I just like went onto Netflix to add it to my like, you know, like to watch list. And episodes one through six have been watched by someone. <laughs> <laughs> we do share the account with my uh, uh, 
uh, sister-in-law. Oh. So it's, you know, be- between someone in one of these two houses. But yeah, someone got on a little kick. So uh, I didn't know it was streaming. I'm going to add it to my list here. So I was, um, so I was sh- expecting not great, right? I mean, you kind of like, if you haven't seen something in that long, you probably think, all right, well, definitely roast tinted glasses. I was young. I thought I just thought it was a cool car. No, I mean, besides Michael Knight being like almost at times a gross kind of womanizer. Um, otherwise, the show's a lot of fun to watch. So um, I was kind of surprised. I mean, you know, there are parts where like, obviously, this is a TV show. So the budget wasn't ridiculously high. But I mean, for the most part, it, it's it's still fun to watch. So that's pretty cool. If you're having an itch for night rider um <laughs> i i'm gonna watch there's only like four seasons of the show so i'll probably go through and, and watch night rider uh, eventually catch them all and uh i just remember like my favorite part was i don't know if you guys have watched much night rider but there was an evil version of the car and it was literally called car and uh that was always my favorite like oh my god just the evil kit <laughs> So. Yeah, it, it looked the same, but it had a goatee. <laughs> well, did, there was an evil Michael Knight that literally was that was like Michael Knight with facial hair. Oh man, <laughs> it's really bad, but it's really good. It's same. It's like so. So, so I will say, yeah, there's only four seasons, but this was back when they did yeah. 22 to 24 episodes yeah, per season. A lot. So. <laughs> yeah, so I'm not, you know, I'll take it bits and pieces. I'll be honest. I, I I remember the show. I remember the music for sure, and I remember seeing snippets of it. Gun to my head, I couldn't give you the plot of a single episode. So this is just something that I kind of knew existed. But I I would actually go back and give it a give it a look. Surprisingly, so far in the few few episodes I've watched, still good. So hopefully cool. that holds together. So I'll, I'll I'll let you know when I watch some more. But yeah, give it a awesome. shot. Um. And then, as far as playing games, I really have not had much time for gaming at all. The only thing I've been playing with my middle kiddo is Rock Band. So, um, uh, they asked me, um, hey, can we, it's been a while, can we play some Rock Band? I was like, yeah, sure, absolutely. So, uh, at first I had to check, I'm like, does Rock Band 4 work on the Series X? And, oh yeah, sure, mm. works no problem. Like, I'm to make sure right, the, the, the instrument and everything would, would work. And yes, no, it's, that's no problem. But obviously you can't use the ancient ones because there was that stupid box they sold that now is unobtainium. The adapter, yeah. Yeah, people want like $200 for this thing on eBay. Which is really a shame. It is. I'm like, how, how is this anyway? Yeah, and you would think that there'd be some sort of workaround because there, like, there is like a... Um, a community of people that like just make rock band songs for like the PC version. Uh, so you can, you know, kind of like, uh, you know, scrounge up some plastic instruments and get it to work on the PC with like a little ingenuity. But like, yeah, the, uh, like, cause the, cause the, the instruments change between like what, three and four. Um, yeah. Cause it was Xbox 360 to Xbox one. Um, uh, yeah. So anyway, we were doing that, but we could always, and we only have, for the rock band four, we only have the guitar and, and the microphone, any old mic works. Yep. So, uh, we were doing that. And then, um, since they wanted to play it so much, we, I hooked the, uh, Xbox 360 up in their room and, and got the drum kit and everything else out mm-hmm. so that they could 
do the different instruments and have some fun with it. So we've been having a good time with some rock band, um, learning some songs. Uh, you know, obviously they're all familiar to me, but you, you know, again, discovery and, and everything else. So, um, absolutely been learning some favorites and some new stuff. And, um, they are a fan of System of Down, so I've been <laughs> listening to and playing a lot of that those songs that are on Rock Band what? a lot. So, Remind me which ones are in that game. <laughs> um, I am not a big System of a Down fan, so I couldn't oh, tell you. Know you. What you're missing BYOB, I, I, Chop Suey. Yes, Chop Suey is definitely on there. Yeah, because um, they wanted to play guitar, and I, so I got stuck with the microphone, and I'm trying to. <laughs> I'm trying to say whatever all those words are on the screen, which is just, it's a mess of, of words. And so that sounds, I would love to see the footage from this play session. It's just basically at some point in time, I just ended up at some point in time. I just ended up going like, because I'm like, I can't read it. This is just too fast. Chris, just hide the scars to fade away the shakeup. <laughs> okay see you know a bit of, okay you need to turn your rock band four back on uh, it sounds like but um you know i've still got a ton of tracks on there and um, cool. obviously they still sell them and comes up with new tracks a lot but what they do now i didn't realize at some point they changed it that um now they just sell season passes so i did not know that either yeah so now like it used to be in just every wednesday it was like you know they'd release from one to five whatever songs and they were like a buck or two a piece or something but yeah i didn't know they did the uh, seasons yeah so now if you want to do like you want to get all the songs you just you buy the season pass you're gonna get all the songs for that season and there was quite a few of them so um and there is i think it's they called it rock band rivals or something which is kind of like the latest version of rock band and you can buy it okay. but i mean i was just playing rock band four it works perfectly gotcha. fine um but yeah so having a lot of fun again with rock band i'm like how has this not come back yet um so it's so good it's because the supply chain because manufacturing <laughs> that many plastic instruments would be a challenge uh unless they just do what you've done and just guys just buy them from china it's only five dollars and they'll ship it right to your door i mean i that is the sad thing that like I go into Goodwill, I find those instruments pretty regularly all over the place. So if yeah. somebody just made some good adapters, there'd never be a problem again. Yeah, it, there there is also like in when I was really into that game, I was very active on the harmonics forums, and uh, they had the the um, licensing like a mill like running like clockwork, like they knew what the market was they knew you know like what they could get away with paying and it was different for like you know an established artist versus a new one and then there were like guys who like oh you need the master we don't have that and like in some cases they got them to re-record it so it was like another version so it sounded like close like um i think ace of spades um the master was destroyed so they like got motorhead to re-record it for the game which was amazing um, but, uh, but yeah, in, in, in talking with those guys at one of the recent shows, like, what would it take for a comeback? And they're like, honestly, like we talk about it all the time, but like the entire system would have to be like, like figured out again because Spotify wasn't a thing back then. And like artists get like a rate from Spotify based on listens. So it's like, are they going to ask for the Spotify rate? Which is like, like who knows if that would be something they'd want to pay, you know, like you, you just don't know. So I, I don't. I think they feel like it's a bigger risk than what it's worth, but 
man, I would love to see uh, that platform make a return. But they charge like two bucks a song. Mm. I mean, I've heard that Spotify pays nothing. So, I mean, Next you would nothing, think that yeah. $2 per song would be a huge win for an artist. Yeah. So. And then, so then I, I don't know the split that Microsoft gets. So Microsoft would get their cut. Obviously, Harmonix would get, get their cut. And I think what it might be is, like, the artist gets what's left over after everyone gets their cut. Like, they get the remainder type deal. But you could do it. Um, you know, I'd, I'd love to see that come back. We were huge in a rock band. Three, three was the biggest we were into it because it was the largest library we would have. And whenever we go to, like, you know, Retro World or, like, any any expo, really, there's always, like, that one master console that has, like, every song, like, available. And it's just so fun to play around with that, with, uh, with the instruments all set up there. So, oh, yeah, wow. it's a shame that it's not uh, just regularly out there anymore. Well, Rock Band 4 still works great. And uh, I will tell you, you play it now on a Series X. There's no load time, so you can just keep, mm. you can just plow through music to your heart's content. And um, mm. I will tell you though, it takes a long time to download a lot of songs on the console. If you've got a lot, if you've got a big music library, downloading them all again might take mm. you an hour or two. So give yourself some yeah, time. But- I remember switching Xboxes and there being like no good way to be like, just go get all my songs. They're like, nope, you had to go to like the 360 like marketplace no, you purchase can. history. You can. Oh, you can? Yeah, you can go to Rock Band 4. And I think when you load the game up, you can just like select all well, your stuff and then it'll do it. Okay. It just takes a long time. Gotcha. Okay. Because on 3, I remember getting a new Xbox and having to go through the purchase history and like, A, and then back out. <laughs> A, back out, A, back out, and, like, set my queue up like that. It works really well. I mean, it was a piece of cake to to queue them. It's just, you know, Mm. when you've got hundreds of songs, it just just takes it. So you have to, like, plan ahead when you want to play. But now that they're all on there, like I said, it's a piece of cake, and it's awesome. So it works great. And, you know, we've got Rock Band 3 up in the other room now, and a lot of those purchases all still work on there, too. So, uh, yeah, they're having a lot of fun with it. But um, yeah, that's, been, that's what I've been up to. Awesome. No, yeah, that sounds really cool. I'd like to be hanging out at your house uh, more <laughs> these days. You, you <laughs> got all great. these things at your house, my friend. <laughs> I know. You're welcome to come over and play guitar, and uh, I'll come over there and play guitar, and it'll just be a whole <laughs> guitar share. It works online. Yeah, there is always that. <laughs> so, uh, so, so one thing, as you were mentioning music here, I realized that I did forget something that I wanted to mention. Uh, the concert cast segment, um, a couple nights ago, um, uh, Thursday night actually, uh, a band that I've loved forever and never seen live were playing a very small venue about 30 minutes from my house. And I wasn't sure if I was going to go. It's a weeknight. I didn't like want to leave like my wife with all three kids, you know, like with no warning or not no warning, but like, but you know, now that you have the as many kids as guitars, they just entertain themselves. Yeah, exactly. They're, they're just over, turn rock they're band on. Over. And yep. <laughs> so especially since I was going to be gone with a tattoo today, but like we put the kids down and I didn't even ask if I could go, like Sarah said, so what time do you have to leave? And I was like, Oh, like that's, that's cool. And she's like, yeah, I'll go ahead. So I went to see alien ant farm uh, and, uh, that was in, in Norwalk, like 30, you know, 30, 35 minutes from here. Um, it was an awesome show. It was really awesome. I loved it. And it was, it's such a small place. There was only like 60 or 80 people there. 
Um, so they were like, you know, high five and everyone. They were like, you know, singing directly to like individuals in the crowd. It was so awesome. They sound amazing still. And I posted it on Instagram and our good friend, Rustly Man, um, responded. He said, I'm seeing them tomorrow at the Big E, which is like kind of like this big um, kind of like fair expo uh, thing that we have uh, up in the Northeast in Massachusetts. So um, he pinged me earlier today. He said, yeah, we got there like a little bit late, but we saw it. It was an awesome show. Um, so, uh, yeah, I just wanted to mention, uh, since I've been talking about concerts and, um, we, I mentioned to our good friend, uh, uh, Rich from the, uh, uh, the press Playcast uh, that Max Sabbath is going to oh, be playing that venue what? in I would see a that. few weeks. You gotta go so, see that. Uh, they were talking about, uh, Max Sabbath, um, on a previous episode and, uh, uh, so a, a mcdonald's themed black sabbath cover slash tribute band <laughs> you, you <laughs> so, have to go see that now i i looked at my calendar and i don't have anything going on that night I, so i, I want to report i to see max sabbath <laughs> i want to report back i might um send you some money in my t-shirt size for that show <laughs> you got it and so that was one of my only disappointments about the night is there was a an opening band a local new haven band called mighty tortuga they were actually pretty good and then after the show, they went to the lobby and they had like some records and T-shirts and stickers and stuff. They were very nice. Uh, a small punk band from Pennsylvania was the other opener. They were a lot of fun. After the show, they came out into the lobby, you know, records, T-shirts, you know, like merch, stuff like that. There was no Alien Ant Farm merch um, anywhere to be found, which I thought was funny because that's how they make a lot of their sure, toy yeah. money. And you know what else was funny is after the, I was like, okay, maybe they were, you know, they didn't their stuff didn't ship or whatever so i just went to alien ant farm's website there's no way to buy merch on their website it just lists like the shows they have coming up i was like these guys are leaving money on the table but then <laughs> on their instagram page they did have a picture of the merch for like their their europe tour that was earlier in the year so i think maybe these were just a couple of small possibly unplanned shows that didn't have merch associated with them but uh it's too bad i would have liked to have grabbed something uh from from the boys but uh so yeah, sorry to uh, interject that little bit there, but I, I forgot my little concert bit. So um, so yeah, so we've been uh, we've been rocking uh, in uh, Connecticut and Indiana. So uh, what about up north? What's happening up there with you, Cal? No rocking, no rocking at all. <laughs> um, not a lot of game stuff either. Um, I watched a few things, nothing super exciting. Um, my dad and I watched Planes, Trains, and Automobiles a couple nights ago a couple of mornings ago cool. i'd never seen it before and i complained recently about 80s comedies but that one was actually pretty good i i had a good few really good chuckles out of that one and you know really heartfelt ending to it so it was solid um we watched morbius last night with a friend because all the memes first first time yeah and mm. it was so boring like we thought mm. it was going to be like bad funny. Like we were waiting for all these moments that were like, oh, that's so bad. We're going to laugh. And none never happened once. Like it's just mm. just boring and uninteresting. Yeah. yeah. The worst kind of bad. Have you, you – we're talking about 80s comedies here. I'm going to throw a couple out. I'll ask if you've seen them or not just while we're thinking about this. Have you ever seen What About Bob? Long time ago when I was a kid. Okay. I think most of it went over my head at the age I watched it. Okay, you might want to check that one. That might be a good '80s comedy to check out. How about Short Circuit? Same thing. As as a child, I watched that. That one I'd actually like to get again, just because I like to pick up sci-fi movies. 
So I do want to rewatch the short circuit movies. Okay. Yeah. It doesn't count as eighties because it came out in 1990, but it, it, it spiritually feels like eighties because it was probably was shot it really nineties. Not why I was going to say, uh, uh, men at work. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. I would agree. That's Char- a great movie. Charlie. It feels eighties, even though it came out in 90. Um, and, uh, uh, Keith David was very happy that I mentioned that film. <laughs> <laughs> like, I haven't thought about that one in a while. I was like, yeah. I'll have to put that on my list. Um, my son and I have been watching She-Hulk as they come out, and it's it's really funny. We laugh every episode. It's just, mm. it's just so much lighter and different than all the other Marvel stuff that we're having a blast with it. Um, I've watched the first few episodes of Edge Runners, the uh, cyberpunk anime, and it's very good. If you like the story of the game like you'll you probably enjoy the anime too and they don't i i don't know if you could pick up the anime and understand what's going on because they like dive into all the lingo and uh just assume you know what a bd is and what that stands for and how they're doing it and like they don't walk you through any of it so they just kind of expect you know what cyberpunk stuff is so it moves along really quick because of that though um i got to babysit for a buddy last week and it's kind of become a routine every time i babysit it's like an, an infant um so when he's napping or we're just like playing on the floor i'll, I'll put something star warsy on the tv so we watched through like star wars visions a few months ago when i was babysitting him uh so i started andor um and it's really good so far i'm really enjoying it i'm surprised how much i like it because i really haven't been clicking with a lot of star wars lately same and i'll tell I, I forgot to mention this too because i'm old and tired but the the first episode was very slow burn the second episode to me was more interesting because they were like starting to move some of the pieces around mm-hmm. and the third episode i absolutely loved so i really feel like that first three man. episode was an entire arc and it ends right there and you're, man this is the beginning of the show right here in episode four they introduce a character who i never would have been excited if they're like we're bringing X back. Like, I don't want to spoil it for you mm. if you haven't seen it, but they're in I it. Not yet. And I'm like, this is awesome. Like, I love mm. this person and I'm so glad I get to see this side of them. Like, yeah, it's really neat. Cool. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I'm digging it. So like, like my first, first episode, I was like, all right, you know, like, let's see where this goes. But very quickly, two and three turned me like right around. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then today I watched Heart eight finally. Uh, a day late but i got it in um <laughs> like two hours before we got on the call here <laughs> and we'll, we'll talk about that more at some point i'm sure so i don't need to say much there but it was really funny to just realize how much the mcu has infiltrated everything because there's one scene with three people walking towards the camera and i'm like uh nick fury pepper Potts, and a zandari in general <laughs> it's just so weird because yeah, it's just a little real. indie that's, movie I'd that's never heard right of. That's right. He was, uh, I forgot he was in that. Yeah. <laughs> Guardians. Yeah. Riley. Yeah. Just, just weird, weird moment. Yeah. Uh, but gaming wise, uh, not a whole lot to mention, but I did start, uh, Dragon Quest Heroes 2 with my buddy. Now that we're finished Digital Devil Saga 2, we wanted to, uh, jump into Dragon Quest again before we go back into the Shimagami realm. Uh, really good start so far. Really had a, a good time with Drake Quest Heroes, which, like you were saying, it's one of those Dynasty Warriors kind of clones, but it okay. feels just like a 
Dragon Quest game like does not at all awesome. feel like Dynasty Warriors. Um, and then just today before the show, I picked up the HD remake on Switch of Shin Megami Tensei 3 Nocturne, uh, which I played a couple of years ago, but I might revisit it because it's a pretty neat game. So I saw it on the Switch for a really good price, so I couldn't, uh, couldn't pass on that. And that's it for me. Very cool. Cool. No, good stuff. Yeah, no, I, I didn't realize it was... Uh, um... I didn't realize this Dynasty Warriors type game had infiltrated, you know, multiple other oh, uh, kind of like game everywhere. universes. Yeah. It was I was just a blind spot for me. So just uh, I knew about Hyrule Warriors. There's and Gundam, I knew that it was, Gundam Wing ones as well. I know about I've uh, played. Yeah, And the only reason that the Hyrule Warriors stuck out to me is because just the way that the title, like the, the box art is like, it just looks like it was ripped like directly from from the dynasty series so that's good stuff well awesome so uh thanks for uh, catching up guys it's great to hear what everyone's been up to and watching them playing and all that uh, good stuff so um let's uh, get on to uh the world of balance and the world of ruin with uh final fantasy 6 so we'll start off just real quick uh, talking about our history with the series um i've mentioned a few times before that i've never uh completed it before i had started playing it several times over the years on legit you know super nintendo hardware years ago as well as just you know kind of emulating here and there just to kind of see what it was all about and i believe the furthest i ever got previous to this attempt was like far enough to where i was playing with shadow a few places and i got to zozo with like with like the the towers and like I, I feel like that's the furthest I ever got with the game previously, and I and that would have been on the Game Boy Advance version, um, way back when like that was a brand new game. Um, so yeah, this time through I played uh, the uh, Super Nintendo, uh, the original Super Nintendo ROM on uh, the Steam Deck uh, through Emulation Station, which I believe runs RetroArch is the uh, the emulator I played it on with the Super Nintendo Core. Uh, so how about you, Chris? Um, I know you've played this game before. I assume uh, several different versions due to your uh, uh, knowledge on the, some of the differences. So what can you tell us about your history where you've played it? So yeah, definitely the first time around, of course, was the Super Nintendo version. Not terribly long after it came out, um, uh, a friend of mine had a copy first. And um, I remember playing it a little bit. Um, with him, but then I picked up a copy not long after that. But that's back, you know, like, these games were, I don't remember, like, 80 bucks or something. I mean, they were really yeah, expensive like, back like in the 69, day. $69, $79. Yeah, yeah, it was really expensive. Um, but I remember I picked up a copy um, not too long after that. And, I, and the copy I had was used. And, as a matter of fact, I still have it. I mean, I've still got the game in there today. It's the same game. Still got my save on it uh, and everything else. Um <laughs> But, like, I didn't have, um, like, the manuals or the, the map or any of that stuff. Um, so, of course, like, later on, uh, went back and picked some of that stuff up. But, um, yeah, still got it there. And then um, I did get the GBA version, um, you know, back when it came out as well. Because I would played through Final Fantasy V Advance. And, man, I... I really enjoyed Final Fantasy V Advance, but I had never played Final Fantasy mm. V before, so I didn't really have anything to compare it to. Um, other than, uh, I guess I should say, I I had tried to play that version that was in the 
on the PlayStation, what was like Final Fantasy Anthology or whatever it was. There was one that had like like four, five, and six or something like that on it. But it was terrible, and the load times were just ungodly. It was a miserable experience. Um, so yeah, but uh, I did not ever beat the GBA version because it um, it murdered the music, which to me was like. I don't know. I love the music to this game on the Super yeah, Nintendo same. version. It's just amazing what they could pump out of that machine um, at a time before CD audio. I mean, it's really just fantastic what they were able to do with it. And um, and trying to listen to that compressed, gritty GBA version is just a little disheartening. So I could never make myself go all the way through it. And the graphics downgrade is also kind of rough. Um, yeah. I mean, obviously, if you're playing on a small screen, it's not too shabby. But um, at the time, I could I was, I was, could play GBA games on the GameCube, you know, with the player. And yeah. that's the way I was doing a lot of that because I prefer a screen. I don't, I don't, I'm not a big handheld person. And, uh, yeah, it was kind of rough. So uh, I never finished that one out. Uh, I've... I've fired up the PlayStation version once or twice, but again, just more for, hey, look, there's some FMV. I'll, I'll watch that for yeah. a second. And then now these days, just YouTube, the FMV. Yeah. Don't bother to turn that thing on. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's kind of my history with it. Cool. So yeah, Kelsey, uh, where were you uh, as far as the first time you played it versus uh, how you played it this time? So first time I saw it, some friends were playing it. And I thought it looked super boring as hell because I didn't understand JRPGs yet. And I asked them to play something else. And I think we ended up playing like Worms or something on the computer. Uh, but then when I learned I liked Final Fantasy because I got nine and I was like, oh, this is awesome. I need to go backwards now and, and clean up all these ones that I missed. Um, I played it on the PlayStation on the Final Fantasy Anthology, which had five and six, I think. And Chronicles had four and Chrono Trigger. I think. Um, so I played that. That was my first time playing. That sounds it. right. And then they, and then they did the ones where they had like, didn't they have like one that or, had like the or, first game or origins, oh yeah, origins had one. And two. Yeah. Two. Okay. Yeah. 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 What a mess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I just bought up everything on PlayStation. That was final fantasy after I enjoyed nine so much, had to get them all. So played six through there. And this was before I like, we had a computer at home, so there was no, online or anything it was just figuring out as best i could so i was missing secret characters and just just doing what i could um and then when i started getting into collecting more probably in my early 20s i finally got a copy of the super nintendo version and played through that one and loved it and then just recently when bill gave me the itch to jump back in i played through the gba version uh and chris berated me for choosing that version but now i've played through all the console ish versions that have come out now so uh, like he's probably right like if i played it back to back with one of the other ones i go oh yeah this sounds worse but having so much distance in between them i still loved the music and i thought it looked fine and i had a really good time playing through it again yeah i have to echo chris's uh, uh love of the music um i had um you know, even in, in the years past, like kind of giving it a try with that kind of like main overworld theme being uh, like, you know, on that kind of like that snowy walk up title screen um, is one of the most iconic Final Fantasy. That's a good scenes start and to any video game like that opening is yeah. really powerful. The 
and and the like the lightning when the when the title screen's loading up i love oh, and that I'm organ not... music yeah oh my god and just like yeah like, it's very it's very like horror movie and like so to me it's like slightly out of place how like horror it is until you kind of get to the end of the game and it's like oh yeah like it really is like a like a big you know monstrous like final battle with like multiple stages and like you know like that the way that the i know we're skipping straight to the end but the way the final boss just like keeps going up and up was a really cool uh, thing i hadn't seen done before um but yeah the uh i love the overworld theme so much that i was a little um not okay with the second portion of the game where that is no longer the music on the overworld but then i actually did end up growing to like that music as well um, but yeah, I mean, I'm sure we'll talk about the music a bunch um, as we kind of go through uh, other different areas, kind of the, the areas that stood out. I also really, really, really love when the music is so not just good because like what's that mean? But like when the music is so distinct and matches each area so well that you can pick up themes for characters and locations. So like if like a character swoops in and it's like oh it's edgar and like you can tell it's the figaro theme or like you can tell it's you know like whatever character yeah. that's coming in because so. like all i have to do is go like and you know right right i mean I, you do a couple of those and you're like okay i'm there i know it yeah right so 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 cool and uh yeah so that was that was a, a treat to play through so, um, all right. So we've got kind of through like our, our like where we started with it. I thought it'd be good to just do a very quick story recap, kind of like where you, where you start the game and kind of where you go off from there. Um, I did pull this from uh, the Final Fantasy VI wiki. Um, so Final Fantasy VI, um, and I think everyone knows this, but we can go ahead and mention that it was released in the U.S. as Final Fantasy III, but was actually the sixth Final Fantasy game in the series. So that's what we'll call it uh, final fantasy 6 focuses on a conflict between the gestalian empire conquering the world and a rebel faction who is opposed to them known as the returners taking place in a fantasy steampunk style world the empire has acquired great power by experimenting on captured espers magical creatures of legend the returners seek magical power to fight the empire on equal terms and a formidable imperial soldier terra proves key to both sides for understanding magic and espers um so one thing that would kind of stood out to me early on in the story in that you have an empire that's trying to you know gain power and gain influence and doesn't care what they do to the planet and then you have this rebel faction who is opposing them it's like man i know this game came out before it but this is really final fantasy 7 like and probably many other uh you know stories as well uh, but it doesn't matter. Um, it's it still works. It's still great. Um, one of the things that uh, I've also noticed throughout the game that I didn't real I couldn't really crystallize until Kelsey told me like, what he was thinking about it. Um, the, like I've he, when when I was talking about how you know I'll go through and then I'll level up for a while and I'll kind of move around and every area uh, I feel like I get through like an individual area rather quickly. Like once I've I'm once I'm like, okay, I'm going to go in this town, buy the stuff I need, advance the story, and keep going. And the way Kelsey put it, he said, yeah, he said the game is very compact in that when you decide that you want to, like, move from one area to the next, besides, like, you know, some fighting and some moving through it, it's very segmented in, like, you've done that part, go. You've done that part, go. Um, and uh, 
that was a little bit different feeling compared to you know the other Final Fantasies I've played, like seven, eight, ten, twelve, uh, thirteen. Um, but uh, it didn't take away my enjoyment at all. Uh, uh, kind of playing it that way. Um, before we get into playable characters, um, Chris, do you have any comments on just kind of how you feel about the entire world and the the, the story in general, and kind of where, where you are when you start off uh, right at the very beginning? Yeah. So. Um... Yeah, you do enter this, I guess, steampunkish is kind of a great way to put it, but it's this where the magitech is that term they use, where it's, um, yeah, all the technology is driven, the power source for all of this is is magic. Um, but, of course, at the beginning, yeah, you, you get Biggs and Wedge uh, up there <laughs> with Terra, and... Uh, Although I think in the Super Nintendo version it says like Vix or something like that, but obviously mm. it's Biggs and Wedge. Um, and yeah, like Terra's there with the Hypno Crown. So you kind of start the game out and um, you, you're you pretty powerful. Honestly, you've got this Magitech mm. armor and you get to go through and um, you're, you get to kind of learn pretty well without really no any struggle right the game really starts you out pretty easily without that um, problem before then the plot really kind of kicks off and then you learn and you meet like the second character and you start pulling things apart and, and kind of going through the town but um yeah yeah like you know they've, they've placed this hypno crown on her to control her uh, you don't really know very much that I think even at the very beginning of the game, like it's just her, her name is just question marks, if I remember mm -hmm. right, to get started before they actually introduce the character. And I love that this game does this thing, like when every time they introduce a character, they like spotlight that character like on screen and like tells you who this person is and plays the theme and well, because they're about to let you name the character. Uh, if you choose to, you know, change the name, but it's like they really move into the middle, they get a spotlight and you get like a one sentence, like who this person is like. And I always saw that as like, this could help you name the character. Like, what would you name someone who is? Oh, uh, I never thought of it like that. A, That's so a, 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 a former rebel general who is as turned sides and wants to help the returners. And now in my head, I'm like, ooh, that sounds like a Margot, you know? So like That's so smart. I never thought of it like that because in every other game, it's like all you know is like it's a black mage like give it a name i'm yep. like i don't know the personality of this thing yet so yep. yeah that's i always really i always read that description as like okay this is what this person's all about name them so i i, I really like that i left all the original names because i normally do but that's kind of how i always saw that yeah say so who's the jerk that renames the characters i don't <laughs> don't don't do that that's that's wrong um yeah but i mean that's like like you said, like this introduction, it feels cinematic because that first mm. part is that march through the snow with the theme and mm. like a film. Like here's you get the credits, right? Like mm -hmm. here's who's who's made the game and everything. And you're just slowly marching up to the town in the distance. And that's got this amazing terrace theme mm. that's playing uh, and kind of, I don't know, like I said, this game makes such an amazing entrance. Yeah. Um, and that's, I think that's a tough part. Like for somebody that played these in the order, mm -hmm. um, the world went wild about Final Fantasy VII. But when you were doing, you were like, "Well, I mean, this is we've already kind of been here, and uh, yeah. 
And this one kind of isn't as good. <laughs> it's in 3D. Okay. <laughs> That's a thing. Um, but, you know, now that one is just... It's, I get it. It's a whole generation latched on to the series there. Mm-hmm. But... Um, yeah, I don't. I don't think it's a lot of competition, if you ask me. Cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure we'll get to uh, rankings and our, <laughs> our final thoughts, and uh, we'll, we'll see how uh, many agree and disagree there. But uh, yeah, I don't think we've disagreed too much so far about the impact that the game has right from the start, and the music, and the characters, and the story. Um, so I thought before we just kind of go through like kind of like the game recap and go through kind of each area and kind of what that's all about. Uh, it might be helpful to go through the playable characters because um, the combat system uh, is unique in the sense that while most characters do have your typical like you know like attack and and magic and item and stuff like that, uh, every almost every character, if not every character, has a special uh, you know menu item or function that I like a lot of times in in other Final Fantasy games that was kind of the secondary thing I would do. Like, well, I'm normally going to attack, but then once in a while I might steal or might, you know, like transform or, you know, like any one of these like other kind of abilities that might happen, you know, jump, lancet, you know, like any of those guys. But the way that the combat system in in Final Fantasy VI is, is you're going to be handicapping yourself if you do that because so many of these other options besides just fight or attack, you know, depending on which version you're playing, uh, I've mentioned before, I really don't like how they've changed like every single word uh, from like each version of the game to another. Uh, it's but that's just the way it is. But yeah, like when you first, uh, you know, you get uh, Terra, she can do magic. OK, like so that's very important uh, to to do. And then you can also attack all with magic. Locke has uh, steel. He's a thief. That's great. But then when you get Edgar and you've got his um, uh, the abilities like with his crossbow, auto crossbow and eventually flash and drill like these are s tier uh uh you know you know abilities uh perks like uh, however you want to call them and i could not imagine playing this game just holding the button to attack 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 you know like every time it came to someone else's turn it was different so i thought it'd be good to go through the characters and we can kind of talk a little bit about what their um their ability was in the uh, uh in the combat system um, I definitely did not get all the, uh, uh, optional characters. So you guys will have to help me out with a few of those. Uh, so we've already talked about Tara, who I didn't realize had a last name until the end credits when they tell you Branford. what everyone's last name is. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And I knew what the final fantasy seven characters last names were because I had the strategy guide and right on the first page, it's, you know, cloud strife and Tifa Lockhart, stuff like that. But it was a little, like, not off-putting. It was a bit of a shock in the credits to see last names for everybody. And I'm like, oh, that's not the last name I would have thought that guy would have. So we're just going to do first names. Um, So we've got Tara, who we've already spoken about, um, who, uh, spoiler alert, is an esper. um, So that's why she has the magic uh, uh, ability. Um, We have Locke, who's the first uh, uh, other playable character that uh, joins the party with Tara, who's a, uh, you know, he's a thief, he's a scoundrel, but he's got friends in high places, um, and his uh, 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 steal and uh, eventually capture ability uh, are kind of the ones that I would use most often to try to, you know, get extra items from enemies, stuff like that. Um, I mentioned uh, Edgar, 
Um, so just so I'm not talking uh, the entire time, uh, I'll hand it off to you, Chris. Uh, Edgar is the king of, uh, what would you call it? The desert city? Figaro, desert Figaro, Figaro Castle. Figaro? Um, yep. Yeah. Um, and he has a brother. I love it. I love it. <laughs> yep. And uh, yeah, that's one of like the first major locations you go to. And he's all about technology. And, yes. uh, and like, so is... Even Figaro Castle, you end up finding out, is all about technology with a nice subterranean twist. traveling. Yeah, and there's a great not to jump too far ahead, but there's a great um, side quest at the end where it like hits something on the way, and so like when you move the castle, it's like, do you want to get out and look? And it's like, heck yeah, I want to get out and look. So now you go off like in this kind of quote unquote dungeon where you gotta like you know complete like a, a nice little side quest there, but. Music in Figaro is great. Um, instantly recognizable that like it's like a big you know kind of like like a like a homecoming almost like you know like troops coming back to battle. It's got this really kind of like herald sound to it. Well, and um, and Figaro Castles where you really get your first real understanding of Kefka um, because before you know obviously you get the story like okay like Gestal is it's he's the emperor and he's in charge. This is where you kind of start to learn about Kefka's character at that point in the game yep. and kind of what he's all about. And, uh, and which is, of course, extremely critical character. Yeah. Um, so, so Kefka, yes, yeah, so that's right. Because when uh, Locke and Terra, and uh, I guess we can intersperse the story with the characters here, but so when Locke and Terra decide they're going to peace out from Narsh because they have to find out what's going on, why is the Empire after her? Why did she have this? hypno crown or slave crown depending on which version of the game you were playing so they kind of head out and they go south to figaro castle who uh, they find out when they meet edgar um that he you know knows Locke. and then kefka shows up not too long after that and is like yo we're looking for this girl where's she at and uh edgar who's like a bit of a bit of a flirt he's a bit of a um <laughs> uh lando calrissian type um so uh uh he's like i don't know what you're talking about so long story short, Kefka sets fire to the castle, um, which is a weird thing to do in a desert, but he does it. And um, so the castle, you know, ends up doing its subterranean thing and escapes. But yeah, it's kind of your first look at Kefka and you start to wonder, OK, is this just kind of like the 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 right hand man, the second in charge, like, you know, like a certain uh, leader of, of Gestal's forces or is this guy like more serious? You don't really know yet. You find out eventually. But so t I think the way the game delivers it, he's just working for the main guy, you know. So, um, but yeah, Kefka, uh, obviously a, a significant character in this game who has a, a really uh, extreme arc of uh, <laughs> where he ends up going. Um, so, yeah, and then you find out uh, uh, not too long after that um, as you're... Uh, um, escaping from uh, 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 Kefka's um, uh, pursuit um, that, uh, Edgar, that you learn a little bit more about the Returners and um, there uh, I believe in the is this when during the escape uh, they see uh, Terra use magic there, there's some point kind of right around this time where you're in a battle and Terra uses magic and like the game like pauses and like Edgar and Locke, like their eyes like bug out of their heads and they're like, did you just see that? Like, what was that? So like they kind of find out that she, that she can use magic. So after like this, uh, this battle, 
um, they're like, you have to come back and like talk to like the leader of the returners. So they end up going to talk to uh, uh, Bannon to get protect uh, protection from the Empire and uh, Vargas and Duncan. Um, and at the returner hideout, they're talking about their plan to like attack the Empire. And around this time is when the the river split ends up happening, I think, yeah. where you end up uh, going several different directions. So basically you have like some some fights on these um, uh, rafts. And so you get to choose. So once uh, everyone kind of splits up, you get to choose. Do you want to be, you know, which character do you want to uh, do it? Like, do you want to like follow their arc? Um, I don't remember which one I did first. Um, I do remember being frustrated in that. What's the town that you end up in with Locke? Whatever that town's called, but they like you're like blocked off from like going like a lot of trial and error. So you're basically you're alone. The Empire's there. You go one way. It's like, nope, they're here. So you got to like find like a shortcut and get around. I'll be honest. That was one of the only times in the game that I can remember just being super frustrated and just like walking around town for a while. Yeah. And not really knowing what to do. And like, oh, there's a draft in this drafty room. And that's where you go. And I'm like, guys, like, I've walked around every room. I don't know where the draft I, is. I got stuck on it for a while because there's the old man who's like, hey, I need some wine. And mm. I was like, okay, I remember I got to give him wine. But I did not remember, not at this time. Like, that's a thing you have to do next time you come to this town. And so I spent a whole bunch of time yeah. trying to get him the stupid wine. And that was a dead end for that point of the game. Yeah. So I, you know... I did not, I wasn't nuts about uh, that portion. And um, then there was the, um, let me just look this up here. Um, yeah, so, uh, okay, so it's South Figaro. So Locke is uh, sneaking into South Figaro to slow the Empire's advance, while Ban and Terra, Edgar and Sabin travel to Narsh by raft, by continuing their raft down the river. Uh, their voyage is interrupted by a chatty, hostile octopus that we see many times throughout this game for some reason. Um, called Ultros, uh, who ends up after many battles um, working the reception desk at the Coliseum for some reason. So I don't know if this is like a joke character that's appeared in other games or not, or if this is like a first time only time. A lot type of, thing. but a lot of those games at that point had that kind of character because you had um, mm. God Almighty. Final Fantasy V had um, I can't remember his name right now. It'll come to me later, but. Again, it was like this super bossy kind of character that just kind of kept coming back and was more of like an an, an oaf, and it gotcha. was played up more for comedy. Yeah. It's so. like a JRPG okay. trope. If you've ever played Disgaea, they really joke about that. There's a character who keeps trying to introduce himself, and they don't bother learning his name. They just call him Mid Boss the whole time, and he shows up like <laughs> ten times, and they and they can never remember who he is. Yeah, I, I had never seen this before, so I don't know if this was a Final Fantasy thing, but I guess it's like a, a JRPG type thing, so that's that's good info. Um, so uh, uh, as we go a little further, so Locke sneaks out of Figaro. He finds and rescues our next uh, playable character, um, a, an Imperial general named Celeste, who has turned a traitor to the Empire. Uh, so the pair uh, join up, and they journey north to Narsh. Um, and I, and that's the end of, uh, of locks. So like once you kind of, you know, figure out your way out of South Figaro, you meet Celeste. And like, once you sneak out of town, his, his arc is kind of, you know, for that multiple part is finished. You kind of, I, I mean, you kind of mentioned it, but you kind of skipped over like the Mount Colts Saban introduction. Yeah. 
yeah kind of getting to because on the way to mount you're right so on the way to the mountain where the the rafting kind of thing starts you're kind of hearing rumors that like you know edgar's got a brother it's a twin he hasn't seen him in a while and you kind of find like where he's been training and kind of like evidence that he's been here kind of thing um uh yeah if you want to talk about uh, uh, uh sabin's introduction and kind of how we get reunited back with edgar real quick well you have to like travel to mount colts and i can't remember the the fight you have to go through. you have to go through all these caves and everything before you eventually run into him you know what? That's the fight where the bug eyes and oh, magic okay. happens. Okay. It's when you're fighting a, a Vargas, who's like the son of Duncan, who like murdered. Yeah, so there's that whole thing. I forgot about that. And I, I love that. So the Final Fantasy games do this, right? Because so they started out like the first one. It's jobs, right? Job, like the characters, they have these jobs and they do these things. And then we won't talk about the second one because it was a mess. The <laughs> the third one though, like took that job idea much farther. Okay, well any character can have different jobs, and you can switch them whenever you want. And they added a bunch of other jobs. And then four was like, no no no, this is going to be more story driven, and characters have fixed jobs, but the jobs you know. And then five went back to the three style. Went no, 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 no. You can be any job you want, and you can switch them to your heart's content. And six went back to the no, like defined characters, <laughs> and which is fine. It's like they were alternating back and forth because there are strengths to to both sides. Because when a character has to, because only fulfills one role, you can define their character very well. And I think that's one of the strengths of this game because you have the kind of these archetypes that they fall into. I mean, obviously, like. Um, Tara falls into like that black mage kind of role and uh, Locke is obviously the thief and um, and you have characters like Saban who's he's the monk right mm. but they went really interesting in his mechanics in this you know with the whole the whole street fighter move input <laughs> system that they decided to go with so blitz i'll tell you when they first teach you i took it took many attempts for me to understand what they wanted me yeah, to do me where you have to hit you have to hit the button so you choose blitz and then you have to input the things that you want and then the final button press is like on like pretty much on yourself so and the first time they're teaching you they give you a bunch of chances like okay like left right left then go and they're oh no you didn't do it right because I'm starting in the menu or am I supposed to do it? So like once I figured out exactly how they wanted it, I was like, okay, now that I get it, I am guilty of not seeing that message at the end of battles where it was like, Oh, Sabin learned X, Y, Z because, because when you see that, what you should do is go into the skills menu and look at blitz and look at the next uh, thing you can do. And I didn't do that for like ages. So I was just doing pummel like for a long oh. time. And then I was just in the skills menu one time and I'm like, oh, there's other things. So then I started and I probably those was like two or three things that I was late on. But then, you know, they are it's it's they are Street Fighter. Like you got like one that like goes like almost all the way around and then one that does go. Yeah, all you got like Aura Blast, like, which are I think the same yeah. as like that's the Hadouken. And then you've yeah. got suplex which is like zangief's you know yeah which which side note, driver. we haven't gotten to the the train yet um but uh 
if you didn't fight this train by suplexing it, um, you have missed one of the coolest moments in this entire game. <laughs> because name me another game where a character can pick up a train and <laughs> suplex it. But that was, it was just like, it took so many ideas that were of its time. But I, it's one thing I like about it too, and I'm, I'm sure I'm, I'm going to gush a lot, but like even the battles themselves that introduced a bunch of new battle types. Like you remember like, like when you're in the Narsha cave, like right at the beginning, like this boss, you had like one of the first bosses you fight. It's like it sticks its head out, right? And then it goes in the shell. Oh, the and yeah, you have to learn, right? Like, oh, and I can it, only it, attack like, yeah. it during this time, not yeah. uh, during that time. Yeah. I bet it learned that from that uh, that fight at the beginning of Final Fantasy VII, where like if you attack when its tail's up, <laughs> it's gonna like hit you with the tail laser. Yeah, so that's I thought that was a, a cool way to do it because and and also I was trying not to do it. There's a, there's some quirks about the game where like if you're like in a menu like attack magic whatever and you're like have like the cursor on an enemy, it seems like the enemies won't do like they won't continue their script sometimes because like. I would be there and I'd be waiting. Is is he gonna? Is he gonna? No, he's not. He's not. And then I would like do my thing, and then like a second later, like cheer, like he would like pull into his shell, and I'm like, dude, I just waited like to make sure. So, well, that's an important thing to talk about. I mean, you know, we're, we're kind of skipping around a little bit, but in terms of system, you have you can use ATB, mm -hmm. uh, or you can turn it on wait mode, and it turns it back to like traditional. Turn based. I, I didn't. I didn't do that once. Did either of you guys turn? To I wait? always use wait. Really? Okay. Because I like the old turn based approach, and yeah. that's what you and can it, get. And it's interesting the way you say old turn based. Because for me, the first Final Fantasy game that I remember just being on full wait mode, because it's that way by default, is ten, where you could just sit there for days and nope, oh, it's your turn. Nothing's happening until that turn happens. So I, I didn't even realize that you could switch that and then just be doing a, a full wait mode. So that's, I'd be interested to go back and uh, kind of see what that feels like. Yeah, because um, I this is where I may be wrong, but I want to say this is the first time where ATB worked like that. Um, and so, you know, that was a pretty new change, and lots of players might want to go, wait a minute, I don't want this. I want to go back to yeah. the old school, way, you know, everybody takes their turn method. So, um, yeah, I, I that's just the way I like to play this game. So, yeah, I always put it on wait. Um, yeah, so, yeah, we've got Saban, Edgar's brother, yep. who's the monk character. Um, yep. And then, yeah, then what I'm trying to remember, though, what's the point where we learn how to use the the one kind of special battle with Mog? Where does that come in? Uh, I let me look up because I have Mog in here as the as the special character, but I didn't get Mog until like super yeah, you, soon. You don't. created him in the world of Rion. Yeah, but there's this first time where there's this special battle and Mog is there to him and the other um oh is that the one where you're like setting up the defense yes on the yeah yeah yeah. and so i forget when that was but i think uh where the return to narsh is happening so i it's probably right it around happen, in there somewhere yeah. yeah right around that time yeah um so uh uh i think before we kind of took the sidebar to go back and make sure we talked about sabin um we had found uh celeste um and uh uh so sabin has washed uh, ashore north of the kingdom of doma 
With the help of a ninja mercenary named Shadow, Savin infiltrates an Imperial camp as the Empire attacks Doma Castle under uh, General Leo's command. So General Leo is a character that I don't remember very much of like in the game, but then Celeste talks about him a lot like later on on the airship like she's like oh i think i know what general leo was talking about so i don't know if i missed something uh by going by general leo too quickly or well you've got gestal and then his generals so you've got kefka you've got celeste you've got leo and it was tara right it wasn't mm-hmm. she was one of them but obviously not independent if i remember right so that they, they were like his people and um yeah there's a lot of back and forth that's going on and how they feel about how things are going and as things progress um obviously like celeste she's got kind of a darker story i know in the super nintendo version it's not as bad it it's a bit darker in some of the other versions yeah because i i I remember um like not knowing if celeste was going to be like a a main character and kind of thinking that it was going to be like a little bit of a short-lived thing so i am guilty of not looking at a lot of the details on her uh on her story until i realized oh wait she's gonna be with me for a while because for i really thought it was gonna be she was trying to fool us and then she was gonna switch back um and spoiler alert it doesn't end up happening um quite the opposite um so um but she has that runic uh, ability where she can absorb mm-hmm. magic right so um i'm always trying to think of like what archetype i would put her under i don't know what you think kelsey i mean maybe dark knight some kind of paladin maybe yeah because she protects others with that move yeah i don't know that's yeah she doesn't she's not as clear as a lot of the other ones for sure no i would think maybe somewhere something like that maybe paladin dark knight kind of ish well, yeah so um so the empire is attacking doma and uh, there's a character that we uh, come across for the first time now, which is uh, Cyan, uh, retainer to the King of Doma. So he strikes down the Imperial commander, um, you know, attempting to turn back the Empire. So this is the first time you see how far Kefka is willing to go, like the level of his depravity, the, the, the war tactics that like no one should ever use, like no matter what. So he poisons the water supply. So he's not just attacking the soldiers of Doma, but everyone who lives inside uh, the castle walls. So um, this kills nearly all of the inhabitants of the castle, including Cyan's entire family. And this is not something that I was prepared for the game to, like, you know, put on you like really quickly. Like, I thought it was like, Oh, poison the water. We got to go make sure no one drinks it. But like, no, like it's the damage is done. So this is a very, uh, very um, man. What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, very harsh, very um, warlike uh, environment that they uh, that they make sure you're in. So his family perishes. He survives. So obviously he's in, you know, anguish and despair. So he decides he's going to attack the nearby Imperial camp alone. Um, he's not able to catch Kefka, but he meets Sabin and Shadow in their pursuit of the same goal. So they, you know, kind of join forces together, kind of like enemy of my, uh, uh, you know, type deal. Um, so this is where things get a little funky. Um, and if you guys can help me out. So 
we end up having to board the phantom train and i'm not sure where the phantom train comes from why we had to get on it like i think i just i glazed over this because i was trying to you know get to a save point or like you know like kind of like stop my game session but i know that we end up on this kind of and, and I, I, I can't remember if it was because we're trying to make sure that Cyan's family, like, you know, like makes it across to the other side or something like that. But I can't remember exactly how we get aboard the, you know, the ghostly phantom train. Do you guys remember that? I'm having a hard It's been a long time, so I don't remember. I, I yeah. want to say there was a, like a forest or something. Yes. And that, that takes you there. But the yeah. plot point about getting on it, I don't remember. I do remember yeah. once you're on it, though, you're talking to some of the ghosts was, and they're explaining some things. Wasn't there too. a scene where Cyan's sleeping and like this is happening internally? I don't remember that. Um, so I'm in the um, uh, in the the recap that because I'm reading, I'm going off a story recap from uh, the wiki. So it, all it really says is as. Um, uh, Cyan joins a Shadow and Sabin as they escape aboard the ghostly phantom train, which ferries the dead from the world of the living to the other side. Cyan witnesses those who died at Doma, including his wife and child, as they board the train. So he's like seeing like the spirits of like the, the, the dead people of Doma get on this train. And I think that's why you follow them on there and you have to like, you know, want to make sure that they're safe. So this is as the party escapes uh, the train, Shadow takes his leave uh, of Sabin and Cyan, uh, and they leap down Baron Falls to Moblitz. Yeah, it says, um, it says they accidentally is... board it in the Phantom Forest. Got okay. So yeah, there is the forest, and you're moving through there. So you end up on the Phantom Train, and so yeah, it's um, it's it's a little bit of a sidebar because um, it's it's a very ghostly place. There's some puzzles where you have to you know kind of like you're moving down the train, and you got to open up uh, you know some. Uh, some chests in the right order and like make sure the door is open and, and stuff and like you that. can rec- can't you for that train thing recruit a ghost or yep you can uh, yeah. take your fourth yep. party spot if you yeah if you would like uh-huh yep yeah that's right yeah it's kind of interesting and I, and I idea because and i think it's because they didn't want to handicap you by you know not having you know anyone fill that spot so that's, that's an interesting way to like i wonder if that's the kind of thing that came from playtesting where they were like, oh, we could use a hand uh, here. like uh, Either that or, I, I don't know, I think there were so many inventive and experimental things they did in this game. Mm. I could just see like, nah, let's just, you know, hey. Because, I mean, you have several. It's like, that's, you have that. I mean, we'll get back to it later, but you have General Leo for a hot second. I mean, yeah, yeah the game's not afraid to give you access to some characters for a short period of time. Yep. So, um, without getting too, you know, even though we're spoiling the game, without getting too, too spoilery, um, you end up, uh, you know, fighting the train at the end of being on the train, uh, which is a cool fight. Uh, highly recommend, um, if you haven't suplexed the train, go watch a YouTube video of someone suplexing the train. And you, you get a little bit of closure in the Cyan story where he kind of, you know, makes sure that his family is, uh, you know, not stuck in, you know, purgatory and like the space in between. Um, and it also was like a little bit of a bonding uh, moment between, you know, like Sabin and Cyan. And, and it really, so that to me, that really cemented Cyan as, as part of the group more so than like comparing, talking about Celeste earlier, where it's like, you know, she's with the empire 
she seemed to switch very quickly so like that i never had that like you know like fully trusting moment which i think might have been on purpose because at the turning point in the game she's given the option to you know like come back to us like type deal and like you're not sure what she's gonna do um so yeah after the train uh so the party escapes the train so shadow this like you know ninja mercenary character that you get uh, several times throughout the game there are times when he will just say okay i'm done and then he'll kind of leave He's a mercenary. and then you'll just yeah right so you'll just kind of encounter him like randomly or maybe planned you know like in towns and stuff like that and he's like yeah i'll join you give me a few dollars so like that's kind of how how shadow uh, operates so at this point um he will uh leave the group um and uh uh so sabin and cyan uh leap down the baron falls uh to the town of moblitz um and nearby is this vast plain filled with beasts where you can't earn experience points <laughs> the music uh, on purpose on the belt yeah i love it the music on the belt is great and i love this the the, the way belt is spelled how they threw that d in there um i really appreciate that but yeah that that music kind of tips you off that something is different here um and and actually when i was before you know kelsey got the itch and started playing this we were chatting about the belt and i kind of was guessing what it was about and you guys were like yeah you can't do and then uh chris you i think you said that that's a strategy later in the game um to be able to like get magic points and like you know get certain abilities and stuff like that on the velt but without uh getting experience points and i never understood why you would want to do that but then later on in the game uh when you have more espers that on level up give you certain benefits I was like, okay, now I can kind of get it, like just to not have to worry about that at all, and be able to, you know, plan your characters uh, outside of that. Min maxing is so a the thing, so absolutely, yeah. So I and I will tell you, I ended up uh, taking advantage towards the end of the game, uh, where Terra, uh, I forget what the Esper was called, but like you know, magic power plus two, um, you know, for for some other guys, strength plus two. So I really try to take advantage of that, but I ended up in like the the high 80s low 90s uh, by the time i finished the game because i didn't want to you know be trying it seven or eight times like i wanted to blast through it which uh yeah I, I, was is a fun thing to do i took all my characters in 99 not because i needed to because i just enjoyed playing the game <laughs> it's fun yeah so um uh so uh so on the Velt, we meet our next playable character. Um, so Kelsey, we haven't heard from you in a little bit. Um, so what can you tell us about? Do we say Gao? Gao is say how Gaul? I've been pronouncing it. Yeah. Gao is how I've said it as well. I just wanted to make sure I wasn't uh, being a stupid American. So so Gao, how would you describe him? Like kind of like a feral, you know, living in the woods, kind of out as an Aboriginal type warrior type character. Yeah, like kind of like he's got that raised by wolves kind of vibe to him even though they don't explicitly say that it kind of feels like he's been living out with the animals and his ability is like learning moves from animals so it kind of kind of tracks yeah. there yeah, yeah yeah he doesn't have as much personality or growth as almost anyone else in the game he's I think. a kid yeah i'd agree with that yeah i also found his ability far less useful than most of the others and it takes a lot of effort to get get him like really beefed up so i didn't use him a lot he's he he's the beast master yeah. job um in the game and yeah you learn really quickly there's a few of his 
rage moves that are really good. And then probably the rest, not so much. Very situational. Yep. And I try, so I didn't mention this yet, but I tried to play as much of this game as I could without looking at guides. And then if I really got like stuck, I would check, hey, like, what am I supposed to be doing on this fight or whatever? But one, like, occasionally when I would look at a guide to make sure I wasn't getting lost or something like that, there'd be a little few reminders be like, oh, like, you know, this is where you want to learn this move and you're not coming back to this area, so make sure you learn this. So I wasn't really in it for the completion uh, part of it. But if there, you know, whenever we kind of got to a new area, I would try to, you know, like learn what I could with some of the characters that had the ability to learn things. But some of them, uh, if they're, um, you know, if it's kind of random, like if you've got to get attacked by an enemy a certain way, like I wasn't going to like hang out for two hours and like wait for that to happen. But, you know, for the completionists out there, that's that's a thing if you want to. If you want to do that, you learn some of them are really like white wind is really good earlier in the game. And yeah, you, you learn a free that really, again, are very versatile. Yep. And a lot of the other ones are kind of just trashy or very situational. So, so Gao's an interesting character. Um, I believe I found his father's house a little bit later in one of my, in my personal favorite level up spot. Um, or I don't know. I don't know if they implied that it's his father, or if they actually said that it's his father. But I think somebody, it's his father's house. Yeah, somebody put that together for me too. I can't remember exactly how how it happened. Yeah. So, uh, and that's that's much later on. Uh, World of Ruin. Um, you'll uh, you get into that house. So yes. Yeah, so now we have Gal, uh, and so that's pretty cool. So when I got Gal, I was just on the veldt until it seemed like I could. So you, what is it? A uh, uh, jump or a rage? So you would kind of, you would rage. You jump. You and, jump, and then when he comes back, then you use the rage just to use the techniques. Yep, that's yep. That's right. Yep. So you would jump, and I never really put this together on my own. So I did look this up, and it, it's something like you would learn whatever ability that was available to learn from the enemy, like when you jumped, and when you came back. I don't know if that's... I never really tested it. I think it's pretty much just that enemy. As long as you jump okay. into them and then come back, you'll learn whatever their thing is. Gotcha. Um, Strago's the one that's a pain in the rear with the blue mage stuff, but... Gotcha. So, and and it was weird to me that you you might lose Gao for, like, multiple battles. Like, he would just stay jumped like where is he is he is this like marvel versus capcom 2 where he just jumps up there <laughs> he and like, up. we just he didn't don't just up yeah <laughs> that was the big jump <laughs> he's he's dulcimen up there he's, he's but, learning uh, with the animals man it, absolutely so um yeah so gal's an interesting character i agree with kelsey that there's not a ton of development going on there and they do do a little bit of that like you know He's speaking like, you know, he's leaving words out of sentences to, you know, because he's, you know, doesn't have the uh, uh, the conversational ability. Um, so uh, but to what Gao does do after as much time as you want to spend on the Velt, um, he shows the group a way, um, uh, uh, a way to dive. Um, so he uses this device to brave the currents of the Serpent Trench, um, which is oh, and I haven't mentioned this yet. Uh What's the mode again? Is it mode seven? Yeah. yeah. This game uses X. Like, I think this game uses the second most mode seven in any game I've ever played. Number one being F zero. This there is so much mode seven in this game. Yeah. This 
game, really, you know, this was the third and final Final Fantasy game on the system. And at th- by this mm. point in time, they were experts. Like, they mm. knew this thing inside and out and could make it sing and dance. And which is yeah. why, like, the music is so amazing because they included so many samples to use mm. that doesn't make, you know, we all know you. There's like a sound font that's built into the chip for Super Nintendo, and you've heard those games where you play it where it sounds like a, a farting trumpet half the time you're playing. Um, <laughs> and then you hear things like this, which they've taken the time to put all these beautiful samples in, and it's amazing. So well, yeah, they were just at the they were at the top of their game on this on this system. So yeah, lots of Mode Seven, and like we haven't gotten to this part yet, but like you know when Tara kind of does her Neo from the end of Matrix thing, where she just flies throughout <laughs> the world like all Mode Seven. When you end up flying on the airship, not only is it Mode Seven, but you can like control like the uh, the elevation of the ship, and it looks different depending on where you are. So um, mode seven is at full work here in the serpent trench when you're, you know, kind of navigating. And I think I can't I don't know how it works in the, the other versions, the Game Boy version that you play, Kelsey. But you do get like a little prompt, like a little yellow kind of directional buttons. Like, you know, do you want to go left or right? You know, like as the serpent trench oh, is I going. Just think of the music in my head right now, that serpent yeah. trench. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Beautiful under and it does. It feels like a very underwater theme. Yep. Yep, absolutely. So that was a cool uh, spot to go through, and um, uh, I who there's what was I think there's a mog ability. I think there's a mog ability later on, like the water rondo or the water dance, or and like this and like so the way you learn things with mog is by taking place in the battle in certain locations, and like one of them is this like the serpent <laughs> trench, and there's like one other place where you can learn it. Yeah, and that was one of the asterisks in all in the guides I looked at. They were like make sure you learn this before you, you know, like reach that turning point. Cause you can't learn this uh, in the second half of the game. If you miss it here. Yeah. Cause Mog is like the geomancer, uh, mm. of the game. And so, yeah, I think it's very much based on his location is what mm-hmm. he can do. Um, so it's, it's, yeah, it's funny cause you play five and like, yeah, all these jobs were there. And again, now they're just transplanting them with some tweaks I, onto characters. I laughed every single time with Mog when he'd learn a new ability. It would, it would, the text would come up and be like, Mog masters X dance. Like, implying to me that he's really good at it. And then the first time I'd use it, he would trip and fall on his face every single time. Yep. I, I didn't put that together. And then I was like, well, is that like the same as missing? Like, why is he <laughs> tripping on this? And so to me, it seems like, oh no, like that dance you're trying to do, it's so awesome that we have to make it miss once in a while. And like, that's yeah. why he like trips to but such, man, such a master yeah, with like a 10% success rate on his dances. Yeah. And it reminded me a bit of, um, uh, Kate Sith. I know I keep <laughs> making these final fantasy seven references. I'm sorry. It's the first one I played, but like when Kate Sith is kind of like, like marching, you know, it, like to his doom and like, then he trips Hearing uh, you make all like these references, though, just like solidifies Chris's point. It's like we did this game already. It's like I didn't realize how much they did <laughs> oh do my that God. game. Like, yeah, like yeah. that's the thing. Like I get it. Like okay, all of you folks of a certain age, like Final Fantasy VII was your thing. Sure was for a lot of us. We'd already done all of this. <laughs> well, right. The Aerith Aerith thing's still pretty unique to Seven. Yeah, to a point. Yeah, there wasn't anything quite like that in six. 
unless you uh, leave your friend on a floating continent halfway yeah, through not, the game. Not quite as impactful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, I was going to get to that when we talk about optional uh, characters, uh, because it is an option to let him die, apparently, <laughs> which at least one of us did. <laughs> Leave no man behind. I mean, you know, they ask you. <laughs> leave no, leave, leave no ninja. And Bill was just like, I, I, no, "I'm good." <laughs> yeah, I, I broke the rules. Well, if someone had to do it for the show, yeah, just so we, we would have some diverse every... opinions here. Thanks, Bill. Yeah, because exactly. Yeah, because Shadow. Yeah, that's in the, that's how you get him permanently yeah. in the world of ruin. Is you don't abandon I, I him. Also, <laughs> I also I also lost Legion in my oh, Mass yeah. Effect uh, uh, two playthrough unintentionally like i did everything and like he just he got shot and then he shows up in the third game and it's like it's very much like beer fest where it's like you know what why don't you just go ahead and call me legion <laughs> we'll give you a yeah do over on that one <laughs> i got a pass yeah so um but yeah so uh, uh skipping ahead slightly but uh so we get through the serpent trench uh, with our mode seven uh uh, uh goodness there um, so we uh, arrive back uh, at Narsh. We rendezvous with uh, 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 the return. Uh, sorry, the elder of Narsh to join the side of the Returners, um, and we're arguing. And so this is kind of the scene where, like, you know, you've now got like a bunch more info. You got more kind of uh, people like joining the cause. So you're trying to argue um, uh, that the Esper in the nearby mines um, is going to continue to draw the um, the uh, attention of the empire so like we got to go get it so the others arrive celeste tells the team that the empire is already marching on narsh like we gotta uh, we gotta do something so um you go into the mountains um you're trying to defend the esper's resting place as uh kefka leads the attack to claim uh the esper for the empire so we defeat the imperial forces we save the town kefka escapes obviously so we approach the esper um, and it reacts to Terra's presence. So Terra transforms into a glowing, what would you say, glowing pink monstrosity? Like, she turns into an esper. Yeah, turns into an esper. Um, and she levitates um, with a piercing scream that scared me because I had my AirPods in and it was louder than I expected it to be. And she just matrixes uh you know like you have no idea where she goes she just flies through the world um and then that's you know she is wherever she is now so several of the returners remain to protect narsh while a search party heads to the west to find Terra. so using figaro castle to burrow under the mountains to kolingen which is how i say it um, we continue south to Jador and then Zozo, a town of thieves. Um, so like I said before, this is as far as I got on my first playthrough, which conservatively is probably like 15 to 20-ish percent of the way through the game. Um, so um, basically atop the highest building, the group finds a transformed Terra under the care of the Esper uh Ramu or Ramu, however uh, people said like Ramu, to say it. but I don't know if that's Ram right. <laughs> Ramu, yeah. So this is a recurring lightning, uh, you know, uh, base character in the series. Um, so he tells the party about something that I've been waiting to hear about for a while, and I think this was referenced earlier in the game. Um, but the War of the Magi, um, which is something that I just think sounds so cool. It sounds so much cooler than just like, oh, there's magic in the world. And we're trying to figure it out. Like the War of the Magi. It's a good name for just... an album. 
Oh man, this is gonna be our uh, our Max Sabbath cover band uh, <laughs> album name. Um, so he tells the party about the War of the Magi and the Imperial invasion into their realm. So you have the realm of the Espers, so this separate, you know, like magic world. Um, and I can't remember, is this the time when they kind of show like the flashback of like when there was um, uh, kind of people um, li like living in both worlds, like kind of like going. Cause I think there was one scene where they were showing us how there was like coexistence between like the Esper worlds and, uh, and the human world. And this might be where they showed that for the first time. Um, but he explains basically that um, uh, Terra's powers have awoken. Um, uh, he, he has sensed that she's lost some control. So he's trying to help her. Um, and uh, he tells them that uh, uh, all about Magicite. Um, which uh, is the source of, um, you know, some magical power in the uh, human world. And quick sidebar, I know that there are summons in this game because you can equip Magicite and then perform a summon. I honestly don't think I performed a summon one time. No, it was the same way. Really? Like, Odin no. is pretty good. Um, and a lot of things, he'll just fly through and kill guys and... So I, I felt, and if I Alexander's ever felt like my, yeah, if I ever felt like my characters weren't performing well, I might have like resorted to that. Like I might have done it like in like a boss battle or something. But like I felt so comfortable with you know attack magic with Terra, with like Edgar, you know, doing his auto crossbow flash drill, whatever, Sabin with his pummeling or like whatever other uh, blitz technique. Um, I really felt in complete control, and I really probably did way more leveling up than I needed to because I just really like being over leveled like I, throughout the like game. Like I, you said you went through the last boss with like levels like eighty to ninety. I went through. I think my highest character was like sixty eight, and everyone yeah. was between like fifty five and that. Yeah. And but, I felt like that was pretty easy. Like but you, the, wow, you overdid it. Yeah. yeah. But the GBA how, how version many, yeah. is gear differently because you have that bonus dungeon in it so i don't i don't think it's scaled do quite the, the same dungeon. way okay yeah so do you remember how many tries the final um uh boss encounter took you was it was it first try? yeah it was first try and i didn't lose a single party member like it felt interesting very easy so for me it was second try i did not realize that i like how the party splitting was gonna work so like the first time I did it, I'm like, oh, well, I didn't optimize for, I didn't realize like, oh, well, you know, I just picked I screwed guys that, that didn't you. work well together. I, so, I kept my so strongest like, ones to the end because I thought it was going to be, you fight with your same. first four, then your next four, then your next four. So I'm like, I'll save the last four of the strong guys for the last part. Exactly. And I didn't realize that you'd only get one replaced if like one fell at a certain level and then you got it and like. So, yeah, I just had bad people the whole way up. And it was like I probably could have powered through, but I think it was status effects that ended up getting me because I didn't have the ribbon on the right guys or something. So second attempt, you know, made it to the top. But uh, but yeah, I, I just like being overpowered. But I just wanted to mention that since we're talking Magicite, there are summons in this game. Um, I don't know. I think the Magis the the uh, the Magicite screen gives you like a small uh indication of what they do like it says you know like heals party members attacks with lightning you know like stuff like that but 
I I don't remember doing a summon except if it was like you know in a moment of panic in a boss fight or something like that. So I'll have to check those out. And I'll, and also I don't know how good they look because that was one of the things they're about pretty cool in fi- in, in the fur in the, the later Final Fantasies. Again, being in 3D where you get this like big you know kind of like cool rendered you know awesome attack that were just fun to watch. So. I'm assuming that they did, you know, as best as they could uh, on the uh, hardware, but that they're good to watch as well. Yeah, they're they're good. They they're not they're not the stuff from seven, right? You're not gonna have to mm-hmm. put your controller down and go like get a sandwich while Knights of the Round does yeah. its thing. But um, no, there's Man, they're... Eden Eden in Final Fantasy VIII because remember they had that boost mechanic where you had to like press the button so i got that thing up to 255 every single time because you had like eight minutes <laughs> for it to power My up goodness yeah you know. um no they're short and sweet but they're yeah they look good awesome so so just to keep moving here because i think we're we're not even halfway through so we can speed it up a tiny bit uh, so basically, uh, Ramu says that the Empire's methods of forcibly extracting extracting magic from espers results in a weeper, weaker form of magic. But when an esper dies and crystallizes into magicite, their abilities can be transferred. So this is kind of where we start to learn that uh, Terra needs to accept her powers and other members of our party can learn magic uh, from the magicite in the world. Um, but he also is asking for our help in rescuing the other espers that are in the imperial capital um so now uh we are leading a fight uh uh, against the empire to rescue some more espers so celis leads the expedition with Locke accompanying her um, to go to the southern continent Uh, we return to jador we meet the impresario who uh, worries that Setzer, the wandering gambler, will abduct Maria, the star of uh, uh, the opera. Now, I have heard of, you know, when people would talk about Final Fantasy VI and, like, that it's the best one, and it's, like, one thing that everyone always said was, oh, oh, that opera scene. Oh, the opera scene. So I was really worried that it was going to be built up uh, too much. Um, So... Uh, what ends up happening is so Setzer owns the only private. I think the they said like the only airship in the world, uh, but at the same time later on like you get another one. Um, so well, that uh, one wasn't operating at the time he said that because it had crashed with his friend. So he might have technically uh, been true. There. Okay, gotcha. Okay, uh, yeah, because I remember him saying like, "Oh, it's the only one of its kind" or something like that. Um, so so basically, um, uh, so Celis. Uh, this is a uh, what was that movie? Um, Ocean's Eleven. Uh, so Celis, I watched that uh, last week too. I forgot to talk about bears it. an bears an uncanny resemblance to Maria. <laughs> so they're gonna pull the old switcheroo. So Locke hatches a plan to t- uh, for her to take Maria's place in the opera to gain access to the airship. Um, so without going like you know too too much in the details, um, what's cool about the opera scene is. The music is great. Uh, the setting is great. Um, what's really, really cool, and what Chris has mentioned before a few times, is it's not just music playing. I mean, there is music playing, but then there's words on the screen that are being sung, and then there's also like a little melody that's being played as those words come up. So you're not listening to the words being sung, but you like hear them in your head because you're reading them with like the melody. 
And that was the coolest thing about that whole thing. I mean, it was really cool to see and really cool to see the scene unfold. But my single favorite thing about that was hearing the words in my head as the melody was uh, was being like played for you. So I was curious uh, uh, if the Game Boy uh, version um, uh, achieved that same uh, I think that so. same effect. Yeah, totally. I, ex- cool. Everything you just mentioned was the same stuff going through my head while I was playing through it. Yeah. So Chris, when you played through this the first time, was that like a moment that people were talking about, like even back then, or is it kind of like a grown in? Uh, in I think it's time? grown because I mean, at yeah. that time, it was a pretty new game, right? And mm. this is pre Final Fantasy VII world where everybody didn't play these games. I mean, they were picking <laughs> up steam, but you have to remember, like Earthbound had bombed like horribly with like a gajillion copies sitting everywhere. Um, and this thing was like an $80 game or something. I mean, like not a lot of people were picking this up at the time, but those that did, yeah, no, it was fantastic. They loved it. Yeah. Awesome. So, uh, so through the commotion, um, and there's, there's a little bit of, you know, kind of like, a uh, you know, uh, plot twists and stuff where Ultros, our old buddy, is um, you know during the performance tries to drop a weight on Celis, and then you stop him. The show's ruined. There's commotion. Celis is abducted. Uh, you know, so basically, um, we uh, we escape on the um, uh, uh, what what's the first one called the the blackjack. Yeah, that sounds right. I think the first one's the blackjack, and again, it might depend on what platform you're playing on because they like renaming stuff. Um, so Setzer flies the group to Albrook. They set off north of the Imperial capital of Vector, which I think is an awesome name for a capital, by the way. Um, with help of a return of sympathizer, they sneak into the, another awesome name of a thing, Magitech Research Facility. Oh, so cool. Uh, where Magitech weapons are manufactured, uh, witnessing Kefka torturing two espers, Shiva and Ifrit, uh, which are just, you know, they're in everything. They're, they're, they're all timers. Uh, they overhear him declare that he will revive the warring triad. Um, so Shiva and Ifrit entrust their Magisite to the group uh, so we can continue through the facility and release the espers that are in there. Um, so the espers are actually too weak to survive, and instead the espers transform into ma- magicite, granting the magic to the party. Um, and then here's another uh, Final Fantasy regular. The Imperial Magicite researcher, Sid, arrives and tells Celis the rumors uh, that she is acting as a spy for the Empire. Now, so Kefka... Oh, go ahead. Sid, in, in your versions, is he dressed like a banana, or is that just in the Game Boy version? No, he's got that yellow costume on. Yellow, yep. But it's, like it's a also got like jacket. a pointed top and like a pointed butt. Like it's literally a It's a got banana. a pointed bottom. It's got a pointed bottom part. Yeah. It's kind of like I, a banana. It, yeah. Okay. I wasn't sure if it was, was just because I, I didn't remember that from long ago yeah. when I played. But I'm like this. I can't take him seriously. It looks like he's rescued out of like a Disney like mascot costume. <laughs> yeah. It was a little weird. Uh, but yeah, he did have that, that same yellow, yellow outfit. Um, so... Kefka appears and claims, yep, the rumors are true. Uh, she's, she's a spy for us. So Locke has second thoughts about Celis, and then um, Celis teleports herself and Kef- Kefka away as the facility begins to overload. So Sid helps the party escape on a minecart, and they meet with Setzer and return to Zozo, destroying two cranes Kefka uses to try to destroy the Blackjack. So in Zozo, one of the Magisite uh, uh, remains the party acquired from the research facility 
is revealed to be that of Tara's father, um, who restores her memories. Tara explains she's a half-human, half-esper, born from a human named Madeline, who had entered the esper realm and befriended uh, uh, her father, uh, Maduin? Maduin? Yeah, that's probably about how I would pronounce it. Yep. Uh, when the Empire attacked. Um, so Tara was taken along with her father and raised uh, as a Magitech experiment due to her natural magic powers. So accepting who she is, um, her and the party return to Narsh and tell the others of their plan to attack the Empire using the machinery of Figaro and the resources of Narsh. Uh, but they lack manpower. So they decide to open the gate to the Esper world and ask for their help. Uh, so Tara's living proof that the two races can coexist. Uh, so they go uh, to Narsh and they rescue a Moogle named Mog. So now we get to our next uh, uh, playable character. Uh, so we already mentioned Mog's, uh, uh, is it called dance ability in, in all the versions you guys uh, are familiar with? Yeah. yeah, it was called dance in mine. Um, so yeah, I don't, there didn't seem to be too many. And what'd you, what'd you call him? A geomancer? He, he's the geomancer job. Geomancer. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Okay. So it's that's all a based... that was in, in, in what, five yeah. in the previous games? Yeah, and it's all based on like the terrain right so like when he's in this Mm -hmm. terrain they can do this and then they're in that terrain they can do that and that's the geomancer job obviously mogs works a little different because he learns things in different terrains but it's still that same role yep yeah so and if i'm not mistaken there were eight maybe ten total something like that it's however many like background like things there are that's usually the way it works so yeah, I definitely didn't get all of them because there were gaps in my uh, you know kind of uh, dance list towards the end. But uh, um, what was it like a uh, water rondo? You know, like uh, like whatever sonata. You know, for so I think I tried each of them a few times, and even the ones that were effective, none of them were as effective as any one of my white or black mages doing the same thing you know with the with where their magic power was so i don't remember using him very much so maybe i missed something that where he's effective i think the issue gets to be if memory serves is that his dances don't use any uh magic points so you can use elemental attacks without Mm. running out so if you can pull the right elemental attacks in battles where that's very effective you know, there you go. You have a, a free source. It's kind of like how Gal works, right? Because, you know, he has his things that you can use. And you don't have to worry about MP, if I remember right, on his things. Yeah. So it, it's just giving you a, a different way to deal with it. So, like, Mog can fall. And so it's not 100% mm-hmm. sort of thing. But, yeah. again, like, you know, he's not like a caster. It's you don't have to worry about running out of juice, right? Yeah. It was to the point where, because you know when like you'll cast a certain spell and it's like miss because that enemy is like immune to it. It was to the point where I was like, I think every enemy I'm fighting is immune to dance. <laughs> they are very. It's it's very much of um, you have to use that old system. Like you know, it's a water enemy. Use uh, uh you know, use lightning. Uh, you know, it's that that whole Ooh, sort of I, thing. So I was doing that a lot with because later in the game. Um, I think at the like the very very end of the game where it was uh, starting to get tricky for me with uh, like the the party splitting up and like you know having to meet at the end, um, and there's a variation of enemies. Uh, I was very much at that point looking at like oh this is a machine I'm going to use lightning or oh this is organic I'm going to use fire so 
Uh, I learned that from my hours of experience in uh, Limgrave, uh, just you know, kind of pay attention to uh, to the enemies. Sure. And, like, what or the or you. if they're undead, you heal them. Um, yep. I remember in Final Fantasy, it wasn't until Final Fantasy X that there was like an undead boss, and I like read somewhere they're like throw a phoenix down at him. I'm like why? And it's ninety nine 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 nine. It was like, dude, this <laughs> must be why there's not too many undead bosses. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, hey, Elden Ring spoilers, but I mean, yeah. these these are tropes that work for a reason. Yeah. So if you know them, then, because all this stuff goes back to D and D, and all this stuff was D and D stuff, right? Like you know, yeah. skeletons. You use strike weapons, and you can do these things. I mean, it just always carries through. All right, so we're getting to getting closer to a turning point here. Uh, at the gate to the Esper world, Kefka appears as Terra begins to call out to the Espers. Uh, her cries open the gate, and the Espers rush out, decimating the uh, capital city of Vector and crashing the Blackjack. In the Imperial Palace, the Emperor tells the party that the Esper's power has made him realize the error of his ways, uh, which we all immediately believe. Uh, he declares a truce and asks the Returners and Terra to help him locate the Espers that fled the gate and make them understand the war is over. Terra and Locke accompany General Leo to Crescent Island to track the Espers. Uh, to assist, Leo is hired Shadow. Uh, Celis accompanies them as well, acting as an Imperial General. Uh, when approached, she refuses to speak to Locke or Terra um, due to their uh, earlier suspicion of her true motives. So Terra, Locke, and Shadow split from the Empire and find the backwater town of uh, Thamasa, where Strago, uh, who we had talked about a little while ago, and his granddaughter Realm, uh, they pretend that they have no knowledge of the Espers or magic, uh, which uh, we also absolutely believe uh, right off the bat. Uh, so Realm gets trapped in a burning building, and the townspeople reveal they can use magic when trying to put the fire out. That was a pretty cool... Uh, uh, because you can kind of tell something's going on. Like you don't believe, uh, what anyone's telling you there. So, um, so, uh, Tara Locke and Strago enter the building to save her and are rescued by shadow who has come to get his dog. Maybe my favorite name, uh, in the game. Interceptor. Interceptor. Yeah. <laughs> so cool. Uh, that it followed him inside. So Strago explains that Thamasa was founded by magic-imbued humans after the War of the Magi who sought to live normal lives, um, and their descendants, the townsfolk, have some magical power. So Strago agrees to help Terra and Locke locate the Espers, and though Realm wishes to help, Strago doesn't think it's safe, um, so uh, Shadow leaves to find Espers on his own with Interceptor. Uh, so... A little while later, at the Esper Caves, a third run-in with Ultros prompts Realm to intervene and save the party with her sketch ability. So let's talk about the sketch ability a little bit. So, Because there's a few abilities where we can, uh, you know, learn something, whether it's, you know, jumping up and then learning it for later, uh, whether it's learning it based on the location we're at. So sketch has to be done on the enemy that is right in front of you because she's essentially like, you know, doing a drawing of that enemy. And then by the power of Grayskull, that drawing causes like a, an effect to happen. Um, this one was, you know, since you couldn't really like stock it, it wasn't like you were like pulling something from them to use at a later time. It was kind of like whatever 
you know, happened to be going at the time. So same thing. I, I tried it a whole bunch while I was trying to level realm up. I, I really didn't end up using it too much. I'm sure there's probably a handful of them um, of abilities that are useful, but I couldn't really find a ton of work for realm in, in my game. I don't know how you guys did. So again, realm is like one of these weird characters where they've kind of taken one job and, and kind of split it. So um, again, she's got like some Beastmaster abilities, mm. uh, essentially what amounts to controlling uh, uh, an, an enemy. It, in this game, it's not really that. You're really kind of making a copy of it to do your building. Mm. But mm. Um, whereas like uh, in a lot of other Final Fantasy games, you'll have a Beastmaster can, can capture an enemy and then use its mm. abilities or they'll have a control ability. And so Gals is more of kind of like a capture mm. and Realms is more of like the control. Right. But it's, again, there were weird experiments on this. I, I think you're right. Um, I, I don't, I'm sure there's probably a few spots where Realm can really shine, but mm. I don't recall any off the top of my head where I was like, oh yeah, this is, this is it. Now Strago is different, but yeah. Yep. So, so Kelsey, same thing. Was uh, was Realm a regular in your party, or um, not one of your favorites? She was kind of in my B tier. Yeah, I didn't didn't have her okay. up on the front lines, but I just liked the character, um, so I kept her around and made sure she had some magicite magic. But yeah, Sketch, I didn't mm. use a ton of, but I just I just liked her personality, so kept her close to the front, but not quite in the front. Gotcha. Yeah, because I mean, and there's she definitely has better personality than a couple of the other optional characters that are just kind of you know, there and, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about them pretty soon. But, uh, but yeah, so she, she kind of had like a little red riding hood vibe and like, I liked the relationship between her and, and Strago. So, uh, the same way that I like that Tara and Locke kind of have started this adventure pretty much together. I really liked having Tara and Locke in the same party together, even if they don't like compliment each other in particular. Um, and the same way how, like, I really liked having, Sabin and Edgar not being in the party at the same time because I really like wanted them to act as a team, but like I got these guys, you take those guys. We're you know like so like we're gonna do this together, but we're gonna split up. So like I don't know, like I just I tried to kind of you know like approach it in a in a way that kind of felt like it would be in the world. So, but yeah, realm I don't think ever ever was was a regular for me. Um, so, uh, so basically, uh, at this point, Strago agrees to let Realm join them because now she can sketch. So the group finds the Espers led by Yura, uh, now apologetic about the destruction of Vector, um, as they lost control of the powers when passing through the gate between realms. Uh, in Thamasa, General Leo and Yura reach a truce, but Kefka arrives and kills the Espers. Uh, that Kefka. Um, so he takes their magicite shards, knocks out the party, claiming he's acting under the em emperor's orders. So still, even though he's awful and he's done a lot of bad stuff, you're still kind of wondering, okay, am I am I really fighting this guy, or am like, you know, is this the guy I got to get through to get to the main guy? You like, you still kind of don't know. You're getting closer, but you don't kind of know yet. Um, so when Leo tries to stop him, uh, Kefka kills him. So this is uh, where, where Leo is, is done in the game. And like I said before, I remember Leo a little bit earlier, but I don't, I don't remember a ton of the specifics. So then later on when Celeste talks about Leo a lot, it was a little bit of it was lost on me. Yeah, Leo, on me. 
is kind of like the honorable general, yeah. right? He's he was willing to follow his orders, but everything has to be done. There were um, ethical lines he would not cross. Right. He's like mm. he believes in a, a military code. And mm. he's going to live that out, um, and he won't cross it. And when Kefka crosses it, that's when he's like, "This mm. is not allowed, right? This is not the way we do things." Right. Yeah. So, so that might be along the lines of what Celis is talking about on yeah. the airship later on, when she's like, "I understand what General Leo was talking so about." So, yeah, when, because- when you have Gestalt and Kefka on one side, and Leo and Celeste on the other side, and you see the two voices of reason like totally gone, like you know that the mm. Empire is going to a dark place like really quickly now yeah yeah because you really you learn that kefka is basically just a psychopath i mean Mm. he has no regard for anything or anybody except himself and you know he'll he'll do anything and it becomes real apparent real fast yep so um so uh leo kill sorry uh kefka kills leo the gate to the Esper world flies open, and several Espers race to attack Kefka, but he destroys them, takes their Magicite shards before departing. Um, so, alerted to the Empire's treachery, Setzer and the other Returners, uh, except for Bannon, arrive at Thamasa in the Blackjack. Kefka and Gestal enter the Esper realm and find the remains of the Warring Triad and use their power to raise the floating continents. So, this is where... Um, I made quite a big mistake that we'll hear about soon. Uh, so the returners board the floating continent, um, fighting uh, you know the Air Force and Ultros, and uh, 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 after they find Shadow, who had kept working for the Empire until they tried to kill him. Um, so after a battle with uh, Ultima Weapon, Shadow departs um, as the returners confront Kefka and Gestal before uh, the Warring Triad. Celeste arrives as Gestal paralyzes the party, and he and Kefka urge Celeste to return to their side and kill her friends so the three of them can rule the world. So this was where I did not know which way this was going to go. And uh, so she does not, uh, you know, go back with them. She refuses and stabs Kefka, which so this is the moment to me. I did not trust her until this moment. So you were um, Locke like your how you were yeah perceiving this that's cool yeah and and it was it really was like because when she joined the group it really seemed very quick like oh i'm gonna join with you guys and i'm like i don't know like that that seems like it should have taken more to you know but then you find out what her motivations are and you know a little bit more about her so um so she stabs kefka Kefka attempts to awaken the triad, and Gestal, knowing this would lead to a disaster, tries to stop him, but is struck down. So the other thing I've been talking about is, like, you don't know, are we after Gestal, are we after Kefka? So now that uh, 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 Kefka kicks Gestal off the floating continent, so now we kind of know who we're dealing with, uh, as Chris put it, the psychopath. Um so, uh, and he moves the statues out of alignment. Celeste warns him the triad's powers will go haywire. Kefka laughs it off because psychopath. With Shadow's assistance, the party flees to the blackjack. So I guess that's also optional. So, uh, well, I guess the party can flee. Uh, <laughs> so um, the blackjack is uh, uh, destroyed and the party is scattered uh, around the world. 
before that happens, um, I've been told by a few people that you are given a choice for some reason. Uh, you, you're like running back to your airship and uh, I've been told that the game prompts you and asks, do you want to wait for Shadow? Uh, I can honestly say I don't remember. It doesn't say being... do you want to wait for Shadow, but like it gives no. you a prompt like you can wait or you can go. It it does. Yeah. The second time you do it, it does specifically say Shadow's not here yet. Do you want to wait? Okay. Yeah, I definitely didn't see it. So um, did not realize that I was going to lose him. And I also didn't realize that I had perma lost him until I was like recruiting people hmm. in the world of ruin. And it's like, yeah, no, if you didn't wait for him, you can't, you can't get him back. Yeah. Um, so my bad, sorry. Um, a great character. I liked him a lot. I really like the, um, the throw, uh, command yeah. because man, you could get some super strong, uh, attacks just, uh, and the thing is in this game, like you purchase, armor weapons like you know like relics which you know we haven't talked about but they give you you know kind of like perks and you can have a couple of them which is really nice um but i don't remember really purchasing a ton of like items uh like i would either you know you'd steal them you get them from enemies but the one thing that i was always purchasing was stuff for shadow to throw because they were so effective and like you have you have a gajillion dollars in this game and even when you think you have too much and then like you reach a point in the game where it's like oh man stuff's starting to get expensive and there's the auction house but then you start leveling up and it's like you're getting 10k a fight like you end up with like infinite money but yeah the the throwing stars like the shurikens or like whatever you're using with the uh, shadow awesome awesome little throw commands in the world but, of ruin uh, you get like uh scrolls that are elemental too which are really awesome of them Oh, wow. like fire scroll or water scroll. Yeah, he's oh, like that's Minpo. Cool. Uh, yeah. So if there's any cool stuff with Shadow for the rest of the game, I'll let you guys uh, so handle it. <laughs> there is. It's kind of hinted at but not explicitly said, but he is the father of one of the other characters. I did not know that. Yeah. Uh, so Realm and him mm -hmm. have these interactions like uh interceptor runs up to realm like she knows like the dog knows her and he's like that's weird and like that's the only character that the dog likes uh there's an item called the memento oh, ring man. and the only two characters that can equip it are shadow and realm and there's also a sleep sequence because uh, if you have shadow in your party in different areas uh, and you yeah. stay at the end Dreams. he will he will have dreams that you get to see some like stuff unfold. Um, so all these things like hint that there's like a really strong family interaction between him and, and realm. I absolutely did not pick up on that or read that anywhere in any of my travels. That's super interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we didn't spend a lot of time talking about Strago, but I mean, he plays that adoptive grandfatherly figure to realm, but I mean, he's the blue mage of the group and, uh, yeah, I mean, it seemed like he doesn't have a lot of depth beyond that, really. I mean, yeah. he kind of fits in that grandfatherly role, and mm -hmm. a little There's... bit of a goof too. He's kind of the uh, the comedy sometimes. Yeah, but I mean, he's again it's one of those characters where not the deepest of stories going on there. Yeah, there's only what like mm -hmm. five or six of them where they actually 
have a good arc and they're strong characters and the rest are just kind of there to fill roles. Right. So, uh, most people, uh, probably, uh, held on to, uh, shadow. Um, I did not. So the, uh, blackjacks destroyed the party is scattered around the world. A year passes. And, uh, this is a, um, uh, a pretty, pretty cool, um, you know, it's a trope we've seen before, but like you kind of wake up a lot of time has passed and like, there's just not a lot you can do. There's like a beach, there's like a little Island you're on. Um, I don't know if it has a name, but it, uh, it's just a little Island that nothing is really going on with. So like, I was trying to figure out, do I just need to like walk around enough? Like, how do I trigger getting out of this? And I forget how it, how it finally happened, but, um, uh, you wake on the small island, um, uh, Celeste does rather, with Sid, um, who tells her like kind of like what's going on in the world, and um, uh, so I th- I forget what it is. Do you end up? I'm I'm reading the recap here, and like there's a raft that you build to get off the the island. I don't remember. I think there's two different things that can happen. I think you can oh, okay. save Sid or not save Sid. Yeah, because he's sick, right? Yeah. Yeah, he's sick. And you're slowly learning about, you know, like, yeah, like the world has been devastated, right? After Mm -hmm. this event that happened. Um, Yeah. So if if you don't save Sid, um, he'll leave you a note. Mm -hmm. You will be like just stricken with grief. Because you think everybody you know is dead and the last person that cared about you and that you care about just died. And so Celeste walks up the cliff and throws herself off it. And she doesn't die, thankfully. She gets washed back on shore. And if you pay attention to the the letter that Sid's left to you, he'll he'll kind of tell you there's a little hidden passage. And he's built you a raft in the basement that you can drag out Mm. to the the beach and, and head off on your adventure again. Gotcha. Yeah. So uh, I'm reading this little like recap and it says like based on the decisions you make and like, so like I didn't realize there were a few different ways that that could kind of unfold. That's good info. Um, So it says now Celeste returns to the mainland and in Zen finds Sabin. Uh, So confident the others have survived. The two continue uh, and find a man who resembles Edgar. This is a fun little uh, story arc. Before we even get there, I just love that Sabin is strong enough to lift up an entire house. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> just yeah just uh like and he's he's uh, holding the whole thing for five minutes like while it burns to the ground and like yeah yeah it's so great but don't worry the dude can so, suplex uh, a train they a train yeah and, and later on too when you're like he's blitzing you're the end uh like a steel girder falls and he just grabs it and throws it away like nothing oh he's so strong it's ridiculous yeah and he is kind of a meathead in the Ooh. game <clears throat> So I, I love this, that there's a man who resembles Edgar um, leading a band of thieves. So they follow him on a ship to South Figaro into a cave um, leading to the buried Figaro castle. So Edgar reveals that he used uh, that alias to trick the thieves into helping him enter Figaro since it was lost under the sand. Uh, so in Colingen, the three find Setzer, who shows them the tomb of his friend uh, Daryl, who owned an airship, the Falcon. Uh, with the recovered Falcon, the dr- group travels the world, uh, discovering many lost secrets of the War of the Magi unearthed by the uh, world destruction. So there's 
uh, a obviously the first half of the game, uh, World of Balance, and then after this point, now you've got your airships, you've got the World of Ruin, and not only are the worlds um, they 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 look different, they feel different. One is you know kind of green and growing and prosperous, and the other one really is kind of like a, a post-apocalyptic. Um, I don't want to say wasteland because there are definitely some towns that you know people are living in, but nothing is like it was before. And, and they're all living uh, in fear that their town could yep. be destroyed at any moment. Yep, there's there's uh, there's still a lot of fear uh, that Kefka's out there and he can do whatever he wants. And even as so, yeah, and there's uh, a good reason why they're afraid of Kefka and that he can do whatever he wants. Because there he is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's right over there. Um, so. Uh, uh, so the game gameplay wise, I just wanted to make the observation that the first half of the game like feels very much like a a story driven, you know, kind of traditional Final Fantasy game where you're going through whatever areas you want. You can stop and level up. You can you know learn some stuff, do some side quests. Uh, but and I don't want to use the word linear, but like it it follows kind of a, like an arc, like a trajectory. Like you know, there's things that you do in a certain order, and you can veer off that. But it it you know it has like a a flow to it. What I really love about the game is the stuff that happens in that first half of the game. So I'm not saying I don't like the World of Ruin, but the World of Ruin to me felt much more scattershot, where you have complete autonomy to go do whatever you wanted, which on the one hand was very freeing, but on the other hand was like, what do I do? Where do I go? Can I even be here right now? So like, it's just a difference in, in the way, you know, those, those game styles play out. So, um, for you guys who have uh, played the game before, do you remember the first time getting to world of ruin and then, uh, you know, thinking, okay, what do I do from here? And just kind of, you know, exploring the world on your own until you found something that was worth exploring or what was that like for the for you the first time yeah no i think that's right i think it that's it you kind of and that's kind of the the feeling that the world that the game gives you is that everything's just been flipped upside down and right like that world of balance you were in was it's kind of safe and kind of regimented and kind of, you know, and now you're in the new world and yeah. good luck. And yeah. it's rough out there and you gotta, you gotta learn and you gotta survive. There's yeah. dinosaurs and dragons and everything. Terrifying. Yeah. So, so Kelsey in the, um, I thought I was wondering your thoughts on when you first, uh, you know, when you finally, you know, meet back up with Tara uh, and you're ready to keep going. And she's like, no, like I have other responsibilities now. I can't risk uh, these kids. And then she like kind of sends you away without her. Um, so I was just wondering yeah. kind of what, uh, I love that kind of stuff where yeah. you just assume like, okay, I made my old teammates. They're just going to jump on board and we'll go fight Kefka. And some of them are like, yeah. it's been two years. Like that's not my life anymore. Uh, I've got other priorities and like she, yeah, she, like you said, she's taking care of like a, an orphanage and there's like a, uh, like young teenage couple that gets pregnant there too. So she's yeah. got to like handle this teen pregnancy thing, which like how many games have ever done that, let alone at the time, like yeah, some crazy stuff in, in this game, like the suicide attempts we just talked about too, like mm-hmm. they get, they get really heavy and, and they treat all of these things with the 
seriousness that they deserve. Like they they're not jokes for the most part. They're, yeah. yeah. And we, and I'll, I agree in that the um, the spots where uh, where she's like taking care of that, like the group of kids that are like, you know, like all like in that basement. Um, and it gave me like a real like um, uh, like Lost Boys in Hook uh, type deal where they're all very protective <laughs> of each other. Yeah. And uh, um, I just thought it was so cool. And really, for a minute, I thought like, all right, like that might be it. Like we might not be playing together anymore. And then in my head, I was like, oh, I wonder if like, we're going to get to like the final battle and then she's going to pop back right. be like, <laughs> but you do end up, uh, you know, kind of convincing her after some time goes by to, uh, to rejoin the cause. Um, and also, and just looking at the story recap, most of what we've been through so far um, in the story recap was obviously world of balance. There's really only like a very small amount left here because story-wise the 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 like everything that's happened in the world of balance and now the party gets scattered everything that happens in the world of ruin is a little bit mass effect tui in that <laughs> you're really just assembling the team again so this is all the stuff where you're you got to find people get them back get them on board fix the thing that they need help fixing Go level up, you know, get some Magisite, fight in the Coliseum. It's like in a lot of the JRPGs, especially, um, where you get to that point where it's like, all right, I don't know if there's a word for it, but like the point in the game where you could go beat the game at any time, but there's 900 other things that you could do. Like that's where, you know, the world of ruin kind of, uh, kind of puts you. Um, and, uh, uh, just before we get uh, too much further, the playable, uh, optional characters that we haven't talked about. Um, actually, and actually, we didn't talk. We've mentioned Setzer and his airship. We haven't talked about the way he uh, rolls in combat, uh, pun intended, because he rolls dice. Um, so I don't know. I I don't know if there was more to it than this, but you know, you would roll your dice, and then you would do this Mario Brothers three style mini game where you would like stop the slots from uh, uh, from going. And, you know, based on what you hit, you know, you could attack some enemies, you could heal some people, maybe, uh, you know, like heal some status effects. It didn't feel like to me like I had any control over what was actually going to happen. Like it felt kind of predetermined, like I would just hit the button three times and it would always be the, the same thing that like matched three times. So I don't know if I was missing something or if I was supposed to be actually like going for like matches on the slots but uh i can never get it to kind of like roll the way that i wanted it to there is a jackpot condition so you can't hit that and i think if i remember right just basically kills everything i mean so it's like you know you can do that um but it's been a while since i used the mechanics i don't remember exactly and then setzer also has the pretty standard gambler job stuff where he can just throw money um, yeah. at people so yeah. you like it yeah, you just learn like you like bill said earlier at some point in time you're flush with cash and you can literally just attack by throwing gobs of money at bad yeah. guys and it does you can do a lot of damage if you're willing to spend the cash so uh, it's a fun ability and i always like the gambler class it's a weird one uh it's mm -hmm. not always the best one but it's kind of fun in what they can do yeah, I don't remember using him a ton. Um, yeah. Visually, he looks like Alucard. So I was like, 
I was in on him like early <laughs> on, like, oh, he's just kind of like cool, like that big pirate or, or like Cervantes from uh, the Soul Calibur games. Yeah. Just this real like big, you know, flowing hair and big, you know, like a uh, jacket and like just kind of, you know, like that cool type character. But yeah, like uh, effectiveness, like I like the character a lot, but I couldn't find like a good spot for him. Um, and unless I'm mistaken, the only two playable characters we haven't talked about, uh, I did get uh, Umaru or Umaro. I think it changes it slightly depending on your platform. Is essentially like what would you call him? Like a yeti. He's a yeti. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. So he's um, and I actually figured this one out on my own, which I'm very proud of. Um, because when you're with Mog, he says something like, "Oh yeah, like Umaru's like in that room. Like he does whatever I tell him." And I was like, oh, I bet I just have to go there, like, with Mog in my party. And then, like, he did so come back with me. That, I remember before I had even played the game, just reading Nintendo Power in, like, the, mm-hmm. you know, Counselor's Corner or whatever section, classified information, one of those two. They had, like, mm-hmm. a step-by-step how to unlock Kumaru. And I remember reading mm-hmm. it, uh, like, probably the only magazine I had that month, like, a hundred times. Uh, and so that, <laughs> that image of the, uh, the cliff where you, like, fall off to get to the caves with him is like burned into my mind from when I was like 10 years old reading that. So even though I didn't play the game until like seven or eight years after that, I, I knew how to get Umaru because I've read it That's so awesome. many times when I was younger. Damn, I want to That's... think there's like a spot and there's like a brief bit in the world of, of balance where you like see him or like peek, you get a peek of him or something. Mm-hmm. So there's some, that. I think there's a hint that's out there that like he's there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's the berserker class. Uh, of the game they're like yeah so so when i when i had him in the party um so there's i assume he's just not controllable he's a berserker no exactly yeah so auto attack on yeah i i actually um in um what's the the cultist tower i think i think i had him with me in the cultist tower and uh i had status effects on my other like people and I was like, oh, crap, like he's just going to keep attacking. <laughs> so I, I just waited like, all right, let's see if I win this fight or not. And like, I forget how many back and forth turns it took, but he ended up like because uh, the, the rest of the party was knocked out, but he can't like heal anybody. So he ended up winning the fight and nice. then I revitalized uh, people I needed to. And I was able to get out of that tower. Save but the day. Uh, so yeah, so Amaro was an interesting little sidebar. Um, there's another character on this list here that I did not get. You didn't get Gogo? So, no. Oh my so god, Gogo is so OP, Go-Go. man. Like, really? He is so OP. Yeah, Gogo's the mime. So um, if you've played the earlier games and you know jobs, the mime job is usually one of the last skills you ever get in the games because it's ridiculously overpowered because it just lets you do for free whatever the person before you did. And so, I mean, you don't have to do, you don't have to know it. You don't have to, it doesn't have to be oh, your ability. Wow. So it doesn't have to be anything. You just, you copy whatever came before if you. you. If, if you like double cast Ultima with Tarek, can you yep. cast? Yep, go, go, no we'll way. just do it. <laughs> yeah, he'll do anything. He's, he's a mime, and that's what he does. He just, you use mimic, and whatever comes before him, that's what he does. Did yet yeah, did not know, and uh, I might have to. Uh, Do you know how to get him? Because that's pretty neat too. No, I did not. No, so there's a, an island in the like upper right of the map, and if you're wandering around there grinding, uh, you'll get these creatures called zone eaters that come out, 
and the zone eater oh, can yeah, swallow I, I you. the zone eater. So if you don't yeah, kill them right away, that cave. yeah. So he's in the cave. You gotta yeah. walk around in the belly of the zone eater and find him. I think I just got into the zone eater and then like eventually just left. I thought I just had to escape it. I didn't know there was a a mini dungeon. Yeah. If you go like, Ah. he's not, it's not too deep of a dungeon. It's maybe two or three screens and then yeah, you'll find him in there. It's in the belly of the beast, but uh, you don't learn anything about Gogo. I mean, he's just, he's just Gogo. And, uh, (laughs) but it's like in these games, it's pretty much always the deal. Like at the end you get mimic skills and it's always crazy overpowered <laughs> it's fantastic interesting no it's good to know because yeah i definitely uh he was just not on my uh on my character radar oh, yeah. and i think that's what you do though not, you not, like just ultima that was, like crazy yeah. and, and not that i was done with the game but like I, I was reaching a point where i was leveling up a bunch and i was on like the fine i was in kefka's tower and i was like you know what i could go to the coliseum and get you know like multiple you know relics that are really cool and this and i could get everyone every spell and i could min max everything and i was like you know what like that'll take hours and like i just want to play the game right now and like so like that's just what i did but i would absolutely uh go back and uh uh just the fact that knowing that you can get him in the world of ruin and he's not you know missed at this point like it'd be cool to go kind of check him out yeah gogo is pretty cool and then like the atma weapon when you get that that's a really neat weapon. That's. I also did not finish the cursed uh, shield. Oh, okay. I did yeah. that one. Yeah, I grinded. I that used out. it for a while, and like especially like when I was in an area where the enemies were just not an issue, I just threw it on someone just to you know like get some battles under the belt with it. But yeah, did not finish it. it takes a lot of grinding to to get yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, but do you got the Atma weapon though, right, Bill? I believe so. Yeah. yeah. So like, I higher your that. HP, the more damage you do. It looks like a lightsaber. Yep. <laughs> it's, yep. it's pretty cool. Yep. Uh, yeah, and you find like lots of cool things. If you do also like the Genji gloves, you can get a couple yep. Genji gloves Those in the are game. Awesome. Yeah, those are really powerful, and all the Genji gear. Um, but yeah, there's like one Genji glove. I think you can steal earlier in the game, and then you can get another one. So I think you can get like, if I remember right, like two of them, but super overpowered yeah if you do the right things in this game by the time you get to the end you're a, just a beast <laughs> i mean yeah. well I, I and i've done this in every you know final fantasy or, or rpg i've ever played is i'll i'll you know max out so much that by the time you get to that last fight four or five turns in it's like all right it's like at max like it's over like in final fantasy 10 especially with like break uh break damage limit oh yeah 99,999 for a physical attack like they're not going to last very long you know like bam bam okay game's over but uh but yeah so um so we will talk a little bit about some of the cool um you know like moments and side quests if we want to go back through that but uh as far as uh, uh story wise I'll just go through the, like the last little bit here um which we already talked about uh, a little bit where we have um uh, so we do find Terra taking care of the village children after their parents uh, perish in the apocalypse. Uh, she doesn't want to fight. She's forced to battle a monster to protect the children, discovering her love for them. Uh, the group finds Cyan living in Mount Zozo, uh, carrying on a long-distance romance with a young woman called Lola. Pretending to be her uh, dead who, lover. <laughs> who believes him to be her dead boyfriend. Uh, Strago, believing Realm is dead, has joined the cult of Kefka. That's my favorite. Realm- Yep, 
Absolutely. Like, cause he's like marching, like in a he, circle. He just tried like, to call the in the last two years. Yep. Yeah. Everyone else is yep. like kind of doing things that are important in some way, but yep. yeah, he's just, just trying to cult. And I think this is a really cool one too, with the realm sketchability. She's a painter working in Jador. And this is a cool little side quest, uh, uh, working for Owser. So when you get to that building and I forget, there's like something that you have to, there's some condition that you have to meet, but like when you go in that mansion and then like, that'll like trigger, like, uh, you know, like kind of getting her back. Um, so shadow knowing nothing but fighting in his life, uh, battles in the dragon's neck Coliseum, um, I guess for some people. Uh, so lock this is, I've told you this before and I don't want to harp on it too much, but, uh, lock seeing a way to revive his dead lover, Rachel enters the Phoenix cave to find the magicite of the Esper Phoenix. It revives Rachel briefly, but long enough for Locke to come to terms with his guilt for uh, failing to save her. This to me was like my absolute favorite, um, closure of, a of a piece of grief or like a relationship that you, we heard, you know, tell of or earlier in the game where, you know, you visit the town and he feels guilty. He thinks that, you know, people are mad at him for kind of like taking her away off on adventures. And she tells him like, you have, like, it's not your fault. You have to let this go. Like, that's still one of my favorite, uh, like redemption moments in like the entire game. Um, so basically this is the point where you've gotten kind of all the main people back. Um, Mog and Gao have returned to their homes. Uh, in the Narsh Mines and on the Velt, so uh, you can uh, go grab them. The Yeti Umaru can be recruited, and the Mime Gogo will join the party, just like you said, inside the Zone Eater on Triangle Island. Uh, so with the ranks reassembled, the Returners attack Kefka's Tower, knowing that if they destroy the Warring Triad, magic will vanish from the world. And this is a concern because Terra doesn't know what will happen to her. Um, so uh, at the summit, Kefka tells the party... Uh, mortal lives are without meaning or significance, as ultimately everything people build is destroyed and nothing they do impacts the world. So the party tells Kefka, uh, this is actually a cool moment too, because the party kind of gets up like one at a time and they all kind of give their um, experience and uh, kind of tell him like, you know, what their lives mean and what, uh, uh, you know, like fighting, what they're fighting for, um, which I thought was really cool because this can be kind of corny. Uh, they've done this in games before, um, but I really, really like this a lot. So the party's basically telling that uh, bonding over the day-to-day -day struggles gives people the will to live in spite of their hardships. Uh, Kefka turns the light of judgment on the world before attacking the party. Uh, upon confronting Kefka as the god of magic, he exclaims he'll destroy all dreams and hope before breaking down into hysterical laughter. Uh, so this boss battle i don't so you'll have to tell me if you've seen this uh technique done in games before it would have to be i would imagine a, a you know a 16-bit game at most because you have your battle where you're fighting kefka and he's like you know on the the, the lower you know lowest portion of the screen as the battle continues your view just kind of raises up and you start to see that you know he the the character has is growing or morphing or, or transforming into like another stage. So we've all seen, you know, phase one, phase two, phase three type stuff, but I've never seen it just kind of grow up as the, uh, as the game, as the fight kind of progresses like that. No, I can't think of another example quite like this mm -hmm. and where you get to kind of see. And sometimes I think kind of almost 
grisly detail, like his transformation into this godlike being. Yeah, because it, it's it, it, there's almost I can't remember the order, but like there was like one phase where like there's like you know kind of like body parts kind of like inter intertwined intertwined and like kind of like moving around and so uh, apparently the three levels are based on the Divine Comedy, like the book. Oh, okay. Um, and they're like circles of hell that you're going through. Uh, that Kafka's ah, that, okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, no, I didn't put that together, but that yeah. makes sense. I, I can't think of an example this early, but like that's something that Shin Megami does, like PS2 era onwards. Mm-hmm. So maybe they liked the idea and, and went with it because they do a lot of divine beings in their games. So makes gotcha. sense. Gotcha. And it's very, but it's, and it is like it's very dark. But as you climb and you finally get to Kefka at the top, it's this golden light, yeah, and he's this angelic, yeah, being. It was, it was, it was like this, like messianic, uh, like like representation of him, and it almost to me was like, is this how he sees himself? Like, is this like the. Uh, um, going back to the matrix is this like you know like your your mental rep like representation of like your physical self um so um every every uh, jrpg is about killing god so yeah. and and star trek 5 uh, yeah no. what's god name with star trek and star trek 5 um <laughs> but that's always the case okay i won't say always the case it's ridiculously tropish often the case <laughs> that yeah. yes you have to kill god um but I think usually, he did a pretty fantastic job. You like job. kill the bad guy, and then it's like, haha, I was behind it the whole time, and then the god comes out. You don't actually have the bad guy being the god as well. Yeah, and uh, yeah, like, but Kefka, just the whole time, he's crazy. Like, he's he's nihilistic. He's he's not about power or anything. He's just nuts, <laughs> and I yeah. mean, just destructive ends. That's it. Yeah. And so, and there's, I'm, I was trying to think of examples before we, uh, you know, started recording about a lot of times, you know, who the bad guy is. And a lot of times that can change throughout the course of the game. But it's like the bad guy you thought was the bad guy is still the bad guy. It's just, there's other players in the, uh, in the, in the grand scheme of it. Um, to me, it wasn't until final fantasy eight where the, person that they present as the main enemy or you know quote-unquote bad guy of the game like isn't really like at all uh which i thought was cool so this was another example of like i don't think you ever had any doubt that kefka was bad like i keep saying you you just didn't know if it was you know just him or like what level was yeah see the big bad right yeah exactly the, the exactly the bb um so yeah, so with this uh, uh, multi-tiered, I believe four tiers, three or four tiered three, uh, fight, three, three. Um, so uh, you you defeat Kefka. Um, I sent you guys the image. Um, I think it's really really cool how once the final blow is struck, how it's not kind of like every other boss fight where it just goes. <laughs> and just they like slowly like uh, uh that that was really cool though when you were like going through a tough boss fight and you're like you would hit him and you're like okay give me the coup <laughs> and then yeah <laughs> um but this was um you kind of had that other sound effect and then kind of like that rumbling and the shaking like almost like disintegrating 
like into like Avenger dust. And um, I thought that was a really cool outro. And the musical score that plays through that fight, it's not like the rest of the game you're getting, you know, you're pretty typical musical people where you get the, maybe it's a minute long and it loops or whatever it is, right? This, no, you get this, yeah. I don't know how long, it's probably like five, six, seven minute long musical score that's and written for that piece starts off so like unharmonic and kind of comes together the further you climb up and it's that mm-hmm. initial thing from the title screen right it's that yeah, same that musical organ. piece like, da, da, yeah it's yeah. it's that but now we're building all of this on top of it and again for a game of that air without cd sound Having a musical score piece that was that long mm. and intricate just didn't happen. So mm. it was it's pretty amazing. And and the ending theme too. This really long musical piece that that's put together. And again, for a cartridge, it's just not what you usually get this little one minute ditty that loops endlessly yeah. or whatever, right? And yep. it's pretty amazing. For sure. Yeah. So Kefka is killed, uh, and with him, the essence of magic vanishes. The Esper's magicite uh, dissolves, um, but Maduin tells Terra she can endure as a human if she has a strong emotional attachment to something in the world. Uh, with the last of her power, Terra leads the group out of the tower aboard the Falcon. She falls onto the main deck and after regaining consciousness finds herself fully human due to her love for the children of Moblitz that she was caring for uh, when we got to the world of ruin. Uh, the party flies across the world, uh, witnesses the city's rebuilding. Terra steps to the bow of the Falcon and releases her ponytail to the wind, which was another awesome moment that I didn't realize was like an iconic moment in the game. Uh, so finally free to live and enjoy her life as she wishes. Um, it's also one of the most cleanly wrapped up Final Fantasy games because there's a bunch of games that are like, you know, the conflict is resolved and then, you know, there are some deaths, there are some people that don't get to see each other and then 500 years later, you know, like uh, like you, there's a few examples of that. But uh, not saying that every game needs to have like the wrapped up pretty bow happy ending, but it's just nice that you go through, you know, like all the, the trouble of going through the entire story and it's actually is wrapped up for you in a way where you kind of know how the main characters uh, are, are kind of left to either continue living their lives or like what their next steps are going to be. So this was a really, really uh, cool ending, even though um, uh, it was like, I don't want to say it was on the shorter side cause it wasn't, but it was just, uh, it was presented in a way that I wasn't like ready for. So like game, like the final boss is over and then you kind of get to um, see a lot of the stuff uh, that they, you know, tell you kind of how, what shakes down after the, uh, after the final battle uh, kind of goes down. So you guys a, a fan of the ending? Were you wishing for more? Were you wishing for, uh, you know, some playable uh, uh, stuff after the ending? Cause I, I was kind of hoping I would get a little, all right, now you can just continue exploring the world of ruin from here. But, uh, gotta get grind up those last 10 levels. I know. Right. Um, I remember being, and I guess, and, and I guess I can, right? Oh, yeah. Because you're like, safe. Cause, cause I'm on the, um, I'm in the tower. Is there, like you can a, leave, 
You can get back on the okay, ship. Is, yeah, is, I feel like uh, ropes that are like It's the hook, down. right? Yeah. Like the thing coming down? Yeah, so that's just what I would Because you can grind in there if you want to. Yeah. Because um, I think there's some stuff you can steal in there that's only in there, if I remember mm-hmm. right, or something like that. Um, I remember being blown away by the ending. And just, uh, mm-hmm. you know, again, like the beginning of the game has such a... Again, like a movie crawl and like a, a very cinematic, and the ending just kind of comes back and gives you some great shots. And uh, yeah, it just it ties everything up. I feel really good about where all the characters landed, and mm-hmm. yeah, that no, was it was great. And I know, um, I like the GBA version adds a special dungeon at the end of the game mm-hmm. if you want to do it. it sounds like kelsey didn't do it and it did, uh, it, if you kill all the dragons it's like a dragon dungeon um so i did kill all the dragons but i didn't bother checking out the dungeon after oh i forgot that yeah we didn't mention the dragons so there are dragons throughout the game and as you defeat them you get a little uh notice that says okay you know six dragons left five dragons left so I believe I have two dragons left because there's several in that final, um, you know, area where you're going up to uh, have the final battle. Mm -hmm. And um, I believe the last message I saw was two dragons left. So I think if I think real hard, I can look at a list of dragons and and think, okay, I didn't go there. I didn't go there. So, uh, but yeah. Isn't that how you get Bahamut, if I remember right? It's been a long time. I believe you're right. Yeah. I think that's what it is. Yeah, I, I did not get that one. So, yeah, I think that's that's where you get Bahamut, if I remember right. right. So I already mentioned my favorite little uh, side quest story arc was Locke and Rachel. Um, so uh, Kelsey, did you have any favorite little uh, side stories, locations, thing that you want to give a uh, honorable mention to? Um, I'll just reiterate that Strangler joining a cult is awesome. It was so funny. <laughs> uh, but my favorite location, we didn't really talk about it much, but the final dungeon where you have to like split your group into three parties to go through it and they have to like hit switches and things to help each other through like really epic feeling and yeah. not complicated enough it gets frustrating you always kind of know what you got to do so it kind of hit the right um, length for me and it just felt like a really good build up to a also like a huge three-part boss as well so yeah that kind of capped the game off really really cool for me really satisfying kind of ending yeah and there were a few uh times in the game where you kind of had that split like the phoenix cave um had a split like that um so if, if you had done the phoenix cave you kind of uh, were familiar with that um with that layout but yeah i agree and it was it was cool enough where sometimes i get frustrated when i'm trying to explore and then i just kept getting pulled into battles and then once the battle's over it's like all right where did i come from where did i go because sometimes you walked past a door that you you know had gone in before and there's nothing in there so sometimes i would go through that door and i was like oh, i was already yeah. in this this isn't the right door and then you'd start another battle so i just had to make sure that i was paying attention before the battle started and then you know because sometimes those battles um even though i was leveled up pretty pretty hard i was trying to use some of the lesser leveled characters to kind of like build them up a bit so the battles weren't always over in like two or three seconds so i was like all right make sure that I'm, I'm good when I get out. But yeah, that, that final uh, dungeon area was pretty cool. And there were the three, what do they call them? Like, uh, they're like the three, the magi statues, the the triad statues, right? So like you had to choose like which group like would fight each one. And, uh, that was pretty cool. 
So yeah, uh, so Chris, any um, uh, locations, side quests uh, that you liked a lot, you just want to give a mention to? Um, I guess I would, I don't know if it's a side quest or location per se, but just the Velt, right? Just that yeah. whole concept of, I gotta go around, I gotta try to find this enemy, and so I can get them and add them to my list, and some of them, you know, not too bad, and like some man, come on, I really got to, I want to find this one. It says, kind of mm-hmm. fill out your list. And if I remember right, you can fill out the whole list, but one spot, and there's just no way to get like all of it filled in. I don't know if that was by design or by glitch or whatever the case is, but there's oh, always yeah, like one know. spot open that you can't do. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. That was just, I remember a lot of time just walking around <laughs> the veil you know doing yep. playing on the game and, and having it, a good time and that I think music it was and i think it was any uh enemy that you encountered in the world could show up in the veld so i, yeah. I remember to see him first. just going out yeah. just going out and doing stuff and then like okay like i've i've been playing for a while like now let's go back and like check it out so yeah that was cool so uh, so cool. So I, I guess the, the last thing uh, to talk about is just uh, overall impressions. And if you want to stick in your ranking for people who believe in that kind of thing, um, uh, uh, feel free. So uh, we'll go back to uh, Kelsey. So, uh, again, we've mentioned this before. You've played this before. This is not your first uh, rodeo. Uh, so, um, first of all, you know, impressions of playing on the GBA versus where you played it before. Um, where you feel like it kind of lands for you in the scheme of the Final Fantasies, and also, uh, did that change after this playthrough compared to where you kind of had it placed before? Yeah, um, I like you talked about earlier. I've kind of surprised it's been so long about how little story there is in the second half of the game. Like after the World of Ruin, like it's really just mm. a few character moments, and some of those are even pretty light. Um, it kind of feels like busy work in the last half when the first half was so tight and mm-hmm. every moment was like super important. Um, I think maybe Kefka is a little more one dimensional than I remembered him being too. I had like really grand um, ideas of what Kefka was. And he, like Chris said, he's just a psychopath the whole time. There's, there's not a lot of <laughs> development there uh, where I think I put some more of that into my head when I was younger playing it. Um, still really loved it. The the characters that they spend time really fleshing out, like it pays off. They're awesome. They're so good. And then because they had these cool ideas for like the the dungeon at the end where you need this huge party to get through it, like yeah, they filled up the roster with you know maybe a couple duds, but uh, most of them are pretty fun and pretty good. Um, ranking wise, it's probably still pretty close to the same spot for me. It's never been my favorite, but it's it's like a top five totally like probably in the four slot for me awesome yeah no all good stuff and and again it's it's crazy because i i never didn't enjoy my time in the second half of the game but just world of ruin feels so much different Mm -hmm. than the flow of the game in in the in the first half it just was kind of jarring the difference i've said it a million times um every time we podcast like i like linear and when you get open world, it kind of loses me a bit. And so that's probably why I like the first half of this game so much. And the second half feels a little weaker because it's 
Mm. go wherever you want do like things your own pace i'm like no you just tell me where i need to go i don't want (laughs) to figure it out why don't you just tell me the name of the movie you want to see (laughs) Uh, and and i'll throw out the music there too like just incredible like every character's got such different themes uh different genres of music and they all Mm. work really well uh i often throw on uh the soundtrack while i'm like doing some writing or something where i don't need to Mm. uh listen to lyrics and uh, every time like certain themes come on i have to stop i'm like oh man shadows theme like i love this song yeah yeah very cool awesome uh so chris uh where would you say this game ranks uh in all of the final fantasies and why is it 15th well it's a shame they stopped making good final fantasy games so early um (laughs) uh, obviously for me this is the top um Mm. and I just, I don't know. I mean, to me, that they didn't... They tried lots of weird stuff after this, but n- nothing hit mm-hmm. in quite the same way. Um, it just, this is a great melding of... They were the master of their craft at the technology of the time. They were... The technology was ripe right like 16 mm-hmm. even when you got to 32 bit sprite work it wasn't a whole lot better than 16 bit um so you kind of had hit the pinnacle of what you could do with a lot of that stuff to a degree at least for a very long time afterwards um they managed to pull music out of that machine that it probably shouldn't have been able to do um and the writing was fantastic. The The story flow was fantastic. Um, it just hit It just hit on all the notes. I mean, the gameplay's great. It took a lot of cool ideas with the battles. Sometimes you'd, you'd have battles where, you know, you encircled the enemy. And so, you know, that worked to your advantage. Or you'd get caught in the middle uh, while the enemy surrounded you. I mean, you'd get back attacks. I mean, they really gave you a lot to work with in this. And then you got to some later games where it's like, nah, we'll just kind of dumb it back down for you and give you this kind of general thing again. And um, that's a shame. Um, Yeah, I I would say, Bill, if you enjoyed this one and you haven't played 4 and 5 yet, you really owe it to yourself to play 4 and 5. So I do plan on playing um, the four and five, and I can't. Uh, there was one that you said that the was it the PSP play play uh, PSP for four, um, five. You've got Steam. Do Pixel Remaster. Yep. Yeah, it's a possibility for sure. So so where this falls for me, um, I'm really not an enormous fan of ranking like. I know it's it's everyone likes top ten lists and stuff like that, but you know, like it's even though they're, they're same type of games or same you know of the same name, um, I really just feel like they're they kind of stand on their own, kind of like in different ways. But like that being said, um, this one is is right up there for me. I've I've always loved ten. Uh, Seven's the first one I played, and we always talk about how powerful um, that that nostalgia is, and I have gone back to it. Because uh, certain games I've gone back to thinking I love them, and I'm like, oh, I'm actually kind of see the cracks in the armor a little bit. Like, um, I always thought I loved eight, 
and it turns out there are parts of eight that I love. Um, I think the music is incredible. I think some of the story beats early on are awesome. And, but then going back and playing it later, I'm like, Oh, you know, the, you know, some of the, like the, the dialogue is forced. This relationship is forced. Um, some of the garden settings are unbelievable. Um, so really like, you know, there's, there's, there's pieces where I can kind of see where it works and pieces where I see that it doesn't. Um, but I, absolutely love 10 i've gone back and played it recently still love it still love seven um i think i would i would place this in like um uh in in my top three of the one through ten so far and again it's not saying too too much because i've played seven eight nine and ten but uh but yeah it's i really love this game a lot i'm glad i got uh, uh the chance to get through it I am glad I played the original version, so I kind of know, you know, like the that baseline for like the music and the visuals. So if I did decide to play Pixel Remaster or something at some point, I kind of have a frame of reference to say like, oh, that's how they, you know, like redid, you know, like this guy or this guy. But uh, but yeah, was was really really just impressed on many different fronts uh, with this game. So uh, we've we've been gushing for a bit for a bunch of different reasons, but uh, there, there's a reason it deserves it. Um, it's a fantastic game and I'm really glad we got through it and I'm uh, really just tickled that my uh, you know kind of like desire to finally like play through this uh, inspired uh, uh, Kelsey to pick it up one more time uh, which is a, a very very cool thing and always happy to uh, let Chris talk about uh, one of his favorite games of all time so it just ended up being great across yeah, the board there it worked out really well for everybody you guys yeah. spoil me sometimes. <laughs> Elden Ring and Final Fantasy VI in such a short window. Yeah. I'm just uh, now. I just gotta hang out for the Final Fantasy V uh, show, so I'll be waiting. Yeah, we'll see. So, uh, so like I said, I got Vanquish on the Steam Deck. So, I'm, my my goal is to kind of back and forth. I do want to keep playing some uh, some RPGs. So, finish Vanquish, and then I'm probably looking at uh, yeah, seeing where I can get. Uh, one of those Final Fantasies going. Let me next. know. I, I could go through four and five again. It's been. I I could go through four as... again. It's been a long yeah. time for me. Awesome. And f- so, Bill, you just have to like four is very much like six in that each character has their own archetype and their own kind of job and their own story arc. Five, they all have a story and everything, but it's very systems it's more systems heavy and you can play around and do a lot of cool things if you think through it it's a lot of fun which one has the spoony bard is that five that's four four that's four it's a good selling point (laughs) spoony bard (laughs) yeah you have to play the original version no i think that's i think if i remember right even in the remakes they kept the spoony bard part (laughs) just because it was such a goofy translation it's gonna become its own thing little meme yes uh all right so that probably uh wraps up the uh, final fantasy discussion um we did have uh, a, a film we were going to chat about but i think we actually might push that till the next one because it is a little bit late here and even though we have uh you know some people on vacation uh on the show uh, it'd be nice to uh you know get to bed at a reasonable hour and we'll uh we'll chat about uh hard eight the next time we get together uh, which will hopefully be in a few weeks here. And, uh, yeah, we'll have some, some other cool stuff to talk about. 
Um, so want to, uh, uh, as always, uh, thank our patrons for uh, being patrons and being awesome. Uh, I'd love to hear from uh, some more of you guys on the Discord if you want to jump in and uh, uh, join in with us there. So you can find us on patreon.com slash collectorcast. Um, we're pretty close to wrapping up uh, The Dark Knight uh, Returns. I think we're just on that final uh, book. Um, so if anyone's curious about getting into some uh, more Batman stories... We can probably find even more where he beats up Superman. I mean, there's, I don't oh, there's, there's, there's a any lot. shortage of those. <laughs> but yeah, um, uh, anything else you guys wanted to add uh, uh, before we get going? No. Wonderful chat. Great game. Yeah. So yeah, go out and get yourself a Steam Deck. It's available. Uh, <laughs> actually, believe it or not, I like recently I was chatting Steam Deck with somebody, and. Uh, I just said, oh, you know, I haven't been on the Steam Deck Reddit in forever. Let me just go see how long it is from order to receiving. And there are people who are like, yeah, uh, pre-ordered on September 21st. Got my order email on September 26th. Got my Steam Deck four days later. Oh. So we're Whoa. at the point right now where if somebody wants a Steam Deck, you can have it in a couple of weeks, which is great that they've caught up uh, that quickly. So, uh, yeah, just putting it out there for anyone uh, who is a little... Steam Deck curious, it's uh, it's no longer a pipe dream. You can get one. So, all right, guys. Well, thanks for the chat. Thanks for uh, 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 chatting Final Fantasy. Thanks for listening, and we'll see everyone next time.